a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no Hello and welcome back to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I am your other co-host, Michelle Egan. Now, before we get to today's festivities, I need to make a couple of correctives from previous episodes. Uh-oh, I screwed Uh-oh. up. Well, I don't yeah, even just, know what you're talking this, about. This, so. was, this was me. I didn't even tell you what I talked about. No. First of all, I failed to mention in our Jaws episode that John Melius... The great John Melius dictated the first draft of the Indianapolis, USS Indianapolis speech over the phone to Steven Spielberg, who then took it to Robert Shaw, who then revised it. So anyway, sorry, (laughs) left out the John Melius factor, which is which is too bad because John Melius is pretty amazing writer. I mean, some interesting stuff over the years, of course, you know, got to love John Melius. Do you know, I got to say, one of the best filmmaking documentaries I've ever seen is just called Milius. Okay, so it's, I don't even know where it's streaming right now. Um, I liked it even better than De Palma, and De Palma was awful damn good. But I love De Palma. But Milius was really eye-opening and amazing. So, and very frank, like that other one was, which I like the De Palma one is. Okay. Then... Movies, horror movies coming up this year that I might be looking forward to. I am curious, uh, This I, th- I think it'll be out by the time this episode goes live and will have been out for quite some time, yeah. but that's okay, is uh, Talk to Me, the yes. one about the, the paper mache hand thing. That looks kind of crazy. I literally just saw something about that yesterday and I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah I i'm looking think forward that, to that yeah yeah i uh haven't gotten around to seeing insidious the red door yet it has not particularly gotten good reviews but it has been fairly successful uh at the box office which is good it knocked uh indiana jones and the dial of destiny of all things out of the number one spot at the box office this last weekend which is kind of crazy to think about but there are no sequels to Raiders of the Lost Ark, though, so I don't know what that movie <laughs> yeah, I would is. Yeah, there's only one movie that has Indiana Jones in it, and yeah. it's called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, yeah. yeah, I said it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> though, for the record, I do kind of like... I know. Uh, I like the, the other one, too. <laughs> Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> Even Crystal Skull has its moments. We don't go negative on this show, so I'm not going to say anything about <laughs> Dial of Destiny. <laughs> Anyway, right. <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. It had its moments. It, it had some fun moments to it. 
Okay. So that was the big thing. But the other thing, the one I'm really looking forward to that was just announced, is we've in December the return of the bad boy that is currently on my shirt right now. Godzilla, the Toho Godzilla. It's not not even American Godzilla, way better than that. Toho Godzilla returning to the screens, and I hope that gets a good release because I am dying to see a Japanese Toho Godzilla on the big screen. I've never done that. I, I didn't fall in love with Godzilla until recently, so I've never gotten to see anything on the big screen. So um, I was super stoked just for that reason alone when I heard about that. I was like, I don't care what this is about. I'm going to go see Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) In the movies. (laughs) So I'm stoked on that. I really hope um, that, I mean, obviously an international film, uh, they don't usually get super wide releases, but, you know, here's hope. Here's hoping. Here's hoping we get something. Um, hoping the big boy gets some big love. Get some real love, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he deserves it. Yes, he does. And those Toho movies are, yeah. I mean, they're just a lot of fun. I mean, this is uh, coming after Shin Godzilla, I think was Shin the Godzilla last one. Shin Godzilla's a blast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. just so much, so great. Anyway, um, so that was sort of the big horror news this week, and it was like the best news because the other news, <laughs> we were recording this quite some time ago. The other big right. news is that Writers Guild of America has been on strike for about 75 days now, and as of yesterday, so is the Actors Guild. Yeah. So who knows what the next year is going to look like for movies, but hey, we've got other movies to talk about. We've got movies yeah. that have been around for a long time to talk about. And these are actually, as far as movies go, two of the newest that we've covered uh, together. I mean, in the same episode, yeah. we usually kind of go older, newer. Uh, but these are both post or 2010, I should say, or later. So Less than um, 20 years old, at least. Less than 20 years old. So that's uh, that's unusual for us. But we're talking about high school the experience of being in high school. We'll probably talk a little bit about our own experiences a little bit. I think that t- will tie into this for sure. Yeah. We're going to cover my pick first, which is from 2015, directed by Alfonso, Alfonso Gomez Rajon, uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Which I always want to leave out the first and. So I always say me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. It's me and Earl and the Dying Girl, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's got a nice rhythm to it. Me and Earl and the dying girl. Right. It's kind of, it's poetic and sure. it's, it, it sounds like a whole line of a poem or something. Yeah. And uh, then we're going to go to my pick from 2010, which I think I have now dubbed probably my favorite high school movie like ever, I think. Uh, okay. Easy A. Easy A. And, you know, this was quick because I... Only saw it for the first time last year, but Me and Earl and the Dying Girl has also, I think, claimed that spot for me. Wow. As far as high school movies go, probably my favorite. And that's what we're covering first because we thought we'd go sad first. <laughs> end with fun. And, and end with fun. Uh, well, the thing is, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl's got a lot of fun in it, too. It does. So that seems to be the element that you have responded to with this movie, whereas <laughs> the sad portion... Not yeah, so much. Not yeah, so, so much. I don't know so what it is. Usually I am the cold hearted <laughs> c- 
co-host of this podcast, but today it is Michelle, <laughs> whose me. heart of ice has not been melted <laughs> by me and Earl and the dying girl. Dying teenagers does nothing for me. No. Fuck There's, them kids. Fuck them kids. That sounds horrible to say. No, I was I was really hoping like the first time I saw it, I've only seen this twice now. And the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, that was super fun, but like something doesn't really like click with me just yet. So I was I was hoping, you know, after having seen it and kind of knowing what's coming and knowing what it's about, maybe seeing it again, I would have a different reaction. I don't know. There's just, I didn't. There's just something that's there's I don't have the same kind of personal connection. I think this is what's a big part of what's missing from uh, me having a, a stronger reaction to this one. It's one of those movies like you get you really feel like you should and you feel bad that you don't. <laughs> Right, you know? but well, I think that's I think, just what it is. I think it's just it's just missing that personal element that I don't really have any experience with. Fair enough. Uh, one of the things I like about this movie that may be a disconnect for some people is it sort of lacks sentimentality about it all. It it doesn't. Good point. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, there's. I find it to be emotional without being saccharine for the most part. Obviously, when you're dealing with a story like this, a little bit that's, of that's going to come in. There's no mm-hmm. avoiding it. But I do think that in a lot of ways, this is kind of the anti-teen movie. It's And Easy A is too in its own way. And I think we'll talk about those in, in different aspects. But this one basically is going to say, we are just not going to do the cliches at all. We're going to try and go the other direction um, where easy a is going to like lean into them and make fun Mm -hmm. of them. So I think this is, this is one that's trying to zag instead of go with that. And I appreciate that about it. One of the things I really love about this, that's right from the beginning is this movie loves movies. Yeah. And that is, I think one of the things that really connects me to it. Um, I love how they're sitting around at lunch watching Burden of Dreams and listening to Werner Herzog's crazy monologues <laughs> about nature, about <laughs> which are some of the funniest. I, honestly, you watch Burden of Dreams and it's kind of hilarious because <laughs> it's like the jungle is nothing but uh, murder surrounded by horrible. And it, it, it's, it's yeah, I mean, I can't After, do it, but yeah. I had forgotten I just, about this part of it. And like after hearing you, like you've kind of gone through like a, a Werner Herzog, like watch through and everything and hearing you talk about him and him just not sounding like somebody that I would particularly be into. I just, I laughed out loud. With that. So the thing is, even if you never watch Fitzcarraldo, just watch Burden of Dreams just to get an idea of what uh, Werner Herzog is like, because he uh, basically he hates nature. He <laughs> thinks he thinks nature is the most awful thing, um, and that we should do everything to resist falling in love with nature because it is just a world full of mayhem and chaos and murder. I mean, he brings it up true, again. But yeah, he brings still. it up again in in Grizzly Man, and it's kind of sure. funny. Uh, <laughs> so he he has not changed his tune on that, as far as I know. <laughs> Which is ironic because the guy, no one has made more movies in the depths of the jungle and in the deserts and in the depths of nature, you know, and shown us things that no one else has ever seen than Werner Herzog. So I just right. find that kind of funny. Um, anyway, uh, if, 
so this starts out with Greg, uh, played by Thomas Mann, and he lays out the sort of landscape of the high school. And I really like that because this idea of being the citizen of no nation. I love that. Yeah. And the thing is, that was me. I felt like I, I was a citizen of no nation when I was in high school. I didn't, I was not popular. I was not, you know, shunned. I was just kind of one of the people that was sort of friends with, yeah. I could, I could be friends <laughs> with anybody and I didn't go to parties. I didn't do this or that. I didn't do any of that stuff that like the popular kids were doing. I didn't play sports of obviously like the jocks were doing. I didn't really, I mean, and I was in choir, but I mean, it wasn't like I was the artistic kid or the theater kid, I, but I knew all those people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just found that to be kind of relatable. Personally. Oh yeah. I absolutely loved that. Um, it actually has something a little bit in common with what easy a trying to say about like, um, mm-hmm. uh, high school, the uh, hierarchies and stuff too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had the same experience. I, when he was talking that way, I was like, Oh my God, that was, that was exactly me. Like I had my kind of core group of friends, like three or four people, that I was really close to, but then, yeah, uh, the way he puts it, he's like, be on just low key, good terms with everyone. I was like, that was, yeah, yeah that was me. It's like, I could, I could literally like be friends with anybody. Like the popular girls, I, I, I freaking went to elementary school with them. So like, they couldn't hate me. It's like, I know things about you. You used to come to my birthday parties. Like, come on. <laughs> right. It was, it was that kind of thing where it's like, we, we just kind of known each other our whole lives. So it, I, I'm sure there was stuff going on that I was not aware of, maybe, possibly, yeah. you know, with other people. That just wasn't my experience. Like, I was pretty, like, friendly with everybody and never, you know, experienced anything negative. Honestly, high school was pretty chill and fun for mm-hmm. me, honestly. <laughs> I didn't love high school, but it was better than junior high and it was no big yeah. deal. It's kind of what it was like. Yeah, for I had the a pretty most good part. experience, honestly. <laughs> so yeah, and and I like that introduction where it talks about you know like the the guy that the stoner that wraps up on the uh-huh. pillar. Everybody's like truly a nation of one, but he's sitting <laughs> next to him anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just literally a citizen of all nations here in this, and I really like that element. Um, where well, and Greg is pretty to, much honestly a nation of one too, because he, he says is. all he says mm-hmm. all that stuff, but. He's also at the same time kind of saying like, well, yeah, that's a good idea to kind of be able to survive as they talk about later, like being able to survive high school without like anything crazy happening. But it's also like if you're just kind of low key cool with everyone and just get into these short little conversations with people, then you you never really get close to anybody. And I failed to mention the rapper's name is Ill Phil. Ill Phil. Yeah. (laughs) And then he said that, uh, what, Scott Mayhew, the sort of goth uh-huh. kid, was he was a hard nut to crack. That took a lot of work, but he <laughs> he just kept with it. And he, you know. Uh, okay. One thing that the movie has that the book doesn't have. I think this is one of the rare occasions. I've read the book. Okay. And I found that, and it's written by the, the screenwriter wrote the book mm-hmm. too. So yeah. um, I think he actually improves on his novel for the movie. And that's a, that's a rarity. And I think that he um, deepens the characters, finds more to like about them all. And that's one of the things that I like about this movie too, is generally in, in high school movies, you have the hot girl is the bitch mm-hmm. or the snob or rich or whatever. Madison, Madison is, is not that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, she's like she's... actually a good person and a nice person. Yeah. And the whole thing, the hot girl with the the moose and the and the chipmunk thing, that's not in the book at all. And I think that is brilliant, uh-huh. you know. And then it comes, and you know exactly what it means every time it comes back because you know the chipmunk gets stepped on. She's touching his shoulder. Yeah. You know, it's I don't know. I find that really funny, but also goes it shows something about Greg that he just does not really see people as they are. He thinks he does. Right. We're also introduced early on to a few people. Earl actually is not, he's shown, but he's not really brought in and and explained and described until a little later. But um, Connie Britton and Nick Offerman as his parents are amazing. I love them both so much. And it feels like, they feel like real parents in a lot of ways, even though Nick Offerman's character is, is a little bit out there. (laughs) he's a college professor that doesn't have to keep regular office hours so he spends most of the time at home watching movies and finding exotic foods making weird food Uh, (laughs) yeah so i find that really very funny whereas you know greg's mom is i don't know she feels very authentic to me she's she's has she's the one who pushes him to say hey you remember rachel and in the book, they they show that uh, he and Rachel, Greg and Rachel, had a little bit of a history because they were in like shul together, you know, mm-hmm. um, leading up to their you know bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah times, and things didn't go very well. That doesn't. That's one yeah. of the things that is in the book that is not in the movie, which is kind of an interesting factoid. And the movie is just like somebody that he kind of knows but not really like right. they're not friends right they're and the thing is that in the book it was like they she liked him oh. and he kind of didn't know how to deal with that Oh, okay <laughs> so he sort of freaks out on her a little bit uh which is his history with girls in general um so <laughs> i think it kind book, of actually makes more sense this way or it kind of yeah. it says more yeah. about greg's character the way that mm-hmm. it is in the movie. Yeah. Just from that one little, I mean, it's sh- showing like him talking, you know, doing his thing of like talking to everybody, you know, and from the different friend groups and stuff. And, and he talks the thing with the, the line he has about the test, like, oh, a uh-huh. test, you know, it kind of shows. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. That just kind of, and you see what the, they were actually talking about uh, the girls on the other side. Yeah. You see the other side of that conversation. That's when, that's when you kind of get more about him. That's like, yeah, you're trying to be cool with everybody, but you also like, you don't know anybody. You don't care to like Mm -hmm. get into their life. Not that he doesn't care, but he just, um, he's afraid to really get close to anybody. So yeah, exactly. It kind of makes, so it almost makes more sense that they don't even really know each other and that they kind of have to almost start from the ground up. You know, right to get to where they get to. Yeah, and he, they're always watching some movie too. There's always some movie going on in the background. Taxi Driver is going on in the background. The scene where Travis is talking on the phone when he calls her for the first <laughs> yeah. time and says, "Hey, my mom says you need a dose of Gregasil." <laughs> and the, the whole thing about the bad jokes and stuff like that, sort of the humor that he uses to deflect, mm-hmm. that's definitely there in the start from from the book as well. Um, but going to the house meets Denise played by Molly Shannon, who is always drunk, uh, which always <laughs> hitting on young teenage boys. Um, yeah. 
also which something is that, funny. that EZA has in common. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I just thought it's of that. funny, but it's also, yeah. it makes the sort of interview with her later and some of those things they show in the final film become a little bit more poignant, mm-hmm. I think. Um, she's using alcohol to mask her pain because she knows her daughter. She's lost her husband. He went off with someone. <laughs> and Olivia Cook, the dying girl of the title, Rachel Kushner, she has leukemia. And it's <laughs> later they say it's stage four, mm-hmm. which, you know, honestly, stage four, there's very little hope of survival. So... I think, yeah, I kind of get the feeling that Denise thinks that Rachel is not going to make it. She's not that she's Even not one of those parents that's like, no, I'm just going to hold out hope. Though, like, it seems like, yeah, she knows from the beginning that it's she doesn't really have it's pretty hope. Yeah, that yeah. she doesn't have much hope that it, she's going to get better. Yeah, she's I think deathly afraid of loneliness. This woman, Understandable. you know, which no. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, the first meeting I think between the two is really funny where she's standing up on the stairs and he's down at the bottom. And it's, just, it's, it's like, it's, I'm like the LeBron James. It's like LeBron James. I know LeBron who LeBron James, James is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good way that they, that he films it too. Cause there, mm-hmm. um, there's distance, there's such distance. distance between them. Yeah. The shot is yeah. very from very far back on both of them until yeah. like the end of the conversation when there's finally mm-hmm. like a medium shot. Yeah. It's really, and there's a lot of like, um, when they show uh, Rachel's room, there's like wide angle lenses. So everything looks kind of distorted and spread out. It's very mm-hmm. interesting how, how it's all shot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not stylistically, it's not like distracting. I don't think no. either, but it, it definitely gives you the sense of the distance. And then in the cafeteria too, that he does like a, yeah. like what is it like a fisheye almost kind of yeah. look? It seems on on some of those shots. And I swear, it looks like they set up that cafeteria in the hallway. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "What kind of cafeteria yeah. is this?" <laughs> it's in yeah, the it's it's to make it, I think, really claustrophobic. I think feeling. so. Because there is nowhere to sort of shove off and hide in that place. You are stuck in the sort of this sea of people. You know, I think that makes Greg nervous. That's why he doesn't want to eat <laughs> you know? there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the whole thing about the pillows, pillows <laughs> is brought up right up at the beginning. It's like, you sure have a lot of pillows. And then my parents would never let me have this many. It's like, why is that? They <laughs> think you'd sleep, sleep too much? No, uh, they'd probably think I'd masturbate all over them. <laughs> Which, who says who that says to a person that? you've just I met? <laughs> But the thing is, it breaks the ice with her. Sure. <laughs> that he's probably not, he, he's not really what she probably expected or what somebody would come and talk to her and, about. Right. And that's what I think instantly kind of makes her maybe not like him right away, but at least think like, okay, at least he's not trying to be all like sentimental. Like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about. Right. And, one, and only wanting to talk about that, but wants to talk about something as silly as pillows, you know, to... get her mind off of it maybe right and i think that's part of the thing you know is i imagine she's so closed off to the idea of having visitors 
because she knows that all they ever do is just sort of give them, give her these platitudes mm-hmm. and things that don't really mean anything. And, you know, they, they're sincere. It's not that they're insincere. It's just people don't know what to say, yeah. you know? It's like when they <sighs> try to, when they first try to make the movie for her mm-hmm. and people are saying the same thing over and over and over again. And they're just, and, and it's not, is they both see it they both see that it's like oh man this is bad you know because they're everybody is just saying yeah you got this you can do it and you're so brave so brave you know (laughs) sure yeah and this sort of opens up the flashback which discusses his relationship with our third title character which is earl the best character (laughs) i love earl the best character i love earl so much yeah now Earl, he's not a friend. He's more like a co-worker, uh, according to Greg. According to Greg. From yeah. this side er- of the friendship, they're mm-hmm. not super close. Right. He's just somebody that just they kind of happen to have the same interest and hang out with each other and make these movies. One of the things that's so funny <laughs> is, is, you know, Earl comes over to Greg's house and this is when they're younger. Uh-huh. It shows them when they're like, what? In, they're supposed to be in kindergarten, but I don't think they're that young. Uh, in the, They don't look that young. And their dad is watching Aguirre, The Wrath of God, <laughs> which is Herzog again. This movie really likes <laughs> Werner Herzog. God. But with Aguirre, The Wrath of God... Uh, they and they become kind of transfixed by it, and they mm-hmm. invite their friends over to watch it, <laughs> and all, which and they all hate it, of course. Um, but they love these movies, yeah. and so they decide to start making their own. This is like one and, of the best elements of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Now the titles, I wish <laughs> I, I wish I had paused. I only caught a few. I did. I paused and I read them, but I didn't write a lot of them down. They have so far made forty-two of but, these movies. Yeah. yeah. Raging bullshit. Pooping Tom. <laughs> Rosemary baby uh, carrots. <laughs> uh, My dinner with Andre the Giant. The Giant. I like that one. Eight yeah, and a half, a but one. the eight is not a number. It's like the actual word eight. <laughs> eight. Yeah. And from one of my favorite movies, Mono Rash comes up later. Mono Rash that comes up later. <laughs> and a, a sockwork orange, which is a clockwork orange with sock puppets. A box of lips. Wow, is the new one they're making. Box of lips. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Apocalypse now. All right. Um, so, oh, brew velvet. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, some of them, it's like that actually would be fun. Yeah. I think. I think that would be really funny. The rad shoes. The rad shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these we've covered on the I show. I know, right? <laughs> so make sure, yeah, which I like. And we're, we may have to talk about my dinner with Andre the Giant. Yeah. Um, I mean, my dinner with Andre. I love that point. movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Anyway, I think there's lots of, uh, you know, as they're developing the relationship, uh, there's some funny stuff where it's like, she says something about, you know, everyone wants to come in here and talk about being sick. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, if you want to ignore someone, just enter a subhuman <laughs> state. You know, it's like pos- passive resistance. It's what Gandhi was all about. <laughs> just the, the humor in this movie is really strong. There's a yeah. lot of humor in it. And that's one of the things that you see a title like me and Earl and the dying girl. And you assume it's going to be a real bummer. Sure. It's going to be like fault in our stars or, you know, something that's just like a downer the whole time. <laughs> and, well, the Hugh Jackman uh, picture starts talking to him, the Wolverine mm-hmm. picture. 
you just talked about death to, you know, a girl. So, I mean, it sort of gets him in that state where he's thinking uh, he's consciously like, I'm not going to talk about sickness or death with this person. Some of the things that happen after that, like he starts to go off his game a bit, right? Like the scene in the cafeteria where he's sitting with, with Rachel's yeah. friends and doesn't really know what to say to them. He gets nervous. It's like, aren't you just hanging out with her because she's sick and, and that kind of thing. And then he slips and he makes a comment about, um, about mm-hmm. Scott Mayhew, his <laughs> Tyrannosaurus walk, um, which is pretty funny <laughs> when they show him. It's Holding like, his notebook like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Good way to get from me. Like to he's B. trying to, but, I don't know what he's trying to do in that part. If he's like just trying to be cool by mm-hmm. making fun of somebody yeah. else. Like he, he doesn't, just know, doesn't what to know what to yeah. do. He doesn't know. Like yeah. he thinks well, he knows all these different groups. That's the thing. Like he thinks he knows all these people and like what they're like, but trying to talk to them. Um, I think Madison it just especially is the best example of yeah. that. It's like, you, you think you, you think you know exactly Absolutely. what that group of girls is going to be like. And they're obviously not They're They're like, Greg, that was really mean. You think they're going to be the mean girls, right? <laughs> Which I like that movie a lot, but I mean, that's just not who this person is mm-hmm. at all. And, and, and he, the scene ends with him saying eight years of carefully cultivated invisibility gone. Yep. Cause he's doesn't, He's like forced to have an opinion about something and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> sure. I, I think that's kind of what that scene is getting at. That makes sense. Yeah. I've had that feeling before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think he's very self-aware though, in a way, like he's, he's trying to act all cool. Cause there's, um, I think it's later, a little bit later after this, when they're at the, the some kind of weird, like indie video bookstore mm-hmm. type record mm-hmm. store type of place. Um, I love that. I would love that. I know, story. right? It looks cool. But he's there with Rachel and I, I think he he knows exactly what he's doing and like why he's doing it too. He says like he, that he's just awkward and he has a face like a groundhog. <laughs> Which is like, "Aw, come on, dude. <laughs> you're, you're cute." Yeah. It, see, it, that's another change from the book. In the book he is not. He is he's sort of an anonymous sort of he, they kind of lay him out to be nondescript a little bit you know he's kind of chubby he's but he's not he's not fat he's not thin he's he's not he's got acne but he's not Mm. you know horribly broken you know all that kind of thing you know where he's sort of middle of the road on literally every possible way that (laughs) you can be um whereas thomas mann's a you know he's a he's a good looking kid i mean he's not but he's not like but he's not like he's not like the, Brad the, the hot super hot like jocks yeah. that n- would normally be portrayed, you know, in a movie like this or any uh, high school movie. His teacher, however, Mr. McCarthy. Oh my God, John Bernthal. Yeah, John <clears throat> Bernthal. I like him a lot in this yeah. movie. He's not in it very much. I mentioned him in our teachers episode as a teacher I really really like. He's just not in it very much, but his moments are so key, um, and of. The next scene is one of them. Soup um, had drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. But wait, wait. Okay. So also in that scene, 
I just wanted to say too, because it was the same thing that EZA kind of was saying too, when he's um, talking about like, I, I'm just trying to survive high school without making any waves or without embarrassing mm-hmm. myself or anything and just kind of moving on. And he doesn't even seem to be interested in college. He thinks it was like, oh my God, college is going to be even worse. It's like he just wants to yeah. not be around anybody. I and mean, then that's... And that that yeah. comes up to I think with one of with my favorite scene in the movie is coming up here soon when they're on the stairs yeah eating ice mine cream too. mine too that's that's I think that really is the I mean and that's the key moment yeah. because I mean and that's the scene she recreates in the book too mm-hmm. anyway but I, I think I think the part where we're accidentally on drugs <laughs> is. I mean, this is sort of a centerpiece. It's really funny. Yeah. They have some of um they have some cookies from Ilfil and then they have some soup from uh Mr. Now he's now the reason is because teachers aren't supposed to share food with students. That's the real reason he don't he won't give him any. Yeah. But the <laughs> They take some anyway. They say, oh, this stuff tastes funny. It's like, oh. And then he starts wigging out in his next class. He picks up his phone, and it's this hologram of Earl on the phone. I love that part. And it says, oh, the soup had drugs in it. Um, and they're on the bus stoned. Of course, um, Scott overhears them saying that there were drugs in his soup. And, of course, a rumor starts, which he has to... Mr. Mr. McCarthy has to put the kibosh on <laughs> pretty quick. That there being drugs, <laughs> but him like being <laughs> Mr. McCarthy. Does he seem high during class? <laughs> right, kind of. <laughs> okay, the right. way he's sitting there, the way he's sitting on the bus was just like his hood all scrunched up on his face. It's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to like get through this moment of being yeah. high and not knowing what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's great, but. You know, you're right. The, the scene where they, I mean, they're still high and they go and they meet Rachel. And this is the first time I think Earl has talked to Rachel. And Earl, the thing is, he's he knows what's up. He's very frank. He is, he's, he's got an opinion about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doesn't feel the need to quote unquote fit in or not. He mm-hmm. doesn't care. He is just who he is. And I think that's one of the things that's great about Earl is that fact. The whole thing is just, oh, we're friends. He just doesn't want to admit. And the way he spells it out. He knows. He gets. He Greg. knows exactly what's up. Exactly. Yeah. Because up until I think up until this scene where they both go over to see Rachel, we've just kind of been seeing it all from Greg's perspective. Yep. And you just hear Earl like barely talking and you know talking about like titties and everything. And yeah. You think you kind of get what he's just a character that doesn't really care. I mean, and you're right. He he does. He's like he's very comfortable with himself and the in that way he doesn't care what other people think. Like he knows he knows what's up and it's cool. Um but he is just amazing in this scene when he's talking to Rachel because yeah, you're right. He's he's the one that's always going to be completely honest and real. And he talks from the heart and he's yeah. not afraid to do that. And that part, he, cause Rachel says like, so he says that you guys are coworkers and he's just immediately like, no, we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> that cut, that made me like not like Greg. I think maybe that's another part of it too, is like, he's not a super likable character in almost a way, even though you get him, I think in yeah, this which scene, is- 
you know, liking or not liking a character is, I like that because I feel like it's more real because everyone's got things about them that are likable and unlikable. Uh, I didn't say it was a bad thing. No, you know what I mean, though. Um, it's just something you have to like, kind of wrestle with while you're watching the movie. Like, yeah, that's the the main character. But like you said, yeah, yeah, Earl gets it. Like he he doesn't like calling people. He just like dude's got issues. You know, he doesn't like calling people his friends. And he yeah, he lays it out. Like he doesn't want anybody to get really close for some yeah. reason. Maybe because yeah. his parents are weird, or I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you'd think that, you know, someone, I don't know, who's maybe the product of a broken family or something like that would have more of these issues with intimacy than and connection than Greg, who seems to come from a fairly stable family, despite his very odd father. Mm. Um, but Cat Stevens is very upset. And I think you can... The, and yes, he's on drugs in that scene because it's just mostly um, Earl and Rachel talking, like eating their ice cream and everything. And Greg is just there kind of hunched over. And it's like very I like the, the close ups that he does, like on the ice cream is like, this is what I'm I'm focusing on right now. And yes, he's trying to, like, yeah. get through his high. But <laughs> I think it's also then he sees the panda and the the yeah. panda and the pig thing. I don't I'm yeah. not really sure what that's about. Oh, he's supposed to be hallucinating. I think. Well, yeah. But I think just that image of him just kind of like hunched over focusing on, on his ice cream, too, is just also mm-hmm. a pretty good representation of like what kind of character he is or what kind of person he is. Just very closed off Yeah. when they're having this really honest conversation like about him, like right there, you know, and he's not even I don't know. I just thought I, I like that image. And this movie is largely about him opening up to the world and being open to and it's the intimacy of the movie is is only friendship there's never any sense that it's anything other than that and i think that is cool i like that yeah. first of all that's definitely something new you'd expect yeah like they, he says over and over again in the voiceover it's like you'd think you know we we're gonna fall in love now and kiss it's like no that didn't happen we were just friends <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly I like and i i like that a lot and it's it's one of those good examples of sort of bucking against the typical yeah even not even just teen movies but just hollywood movies in general uh, that i like uh, a lot about this movie and this is also when earl spills the beans that they make films mm-hmm. and so they show her brew velvet um <laughs> which is the scene of uh dean stockwell singing <laughs> But it's like this big paper mache head. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. The so. production value on their movies is actually pretty good. Well, it's low budget still. <laughs> I mean, they, they're being good at paper mache. I mean, paper mache is hey, cheap. It's tough to get it to look. It is tough to get it to look. To look great. Right, but yeah. 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 <laughs> then we kind of move forward, you know, Rachel's into treatment. You know, she's starting to lose her hair. That scene where she talks about how. She feels like she looks ugly because she's obviously losing the hair on her head, but she's also, you know, just, you look tired, you look drained, you look, you lose weight, all kinds of things. You lose some color in your face, all kinds of things. So, I mean, she just wants, I think she kind of wants honesty about that. It's like, oh, you look great. Or, you know, she doesn't want that. So he, uh, he willingly gives her one of the movies. 
mono rash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're both Japanese and cut off your head. And that's you know. <laughs> Madison says later. But it's like it tells them about the movie they're making now, which is a box of lips. Wow. Which is about a spoof of which is a remake of Apocalypse Now. But they find a box of tulips, tulips. a box of lips. Wow. <laughs> wow. But Madison going to finding them and, and saying, you know, you need to make a movie for her. That's what she should do. You got to make a movie for Rachel. And they're like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, right from the beginning, this movie says, the the narration says, this is how a movie, I, I made a movie so yeah. bad that it actually killed someone. I think maybe that's another thing. Actually, maybe now that I'm thinking about it, it's. I know that's not really the point of the movie. Okay, maybe that's that was another thing was that like you hear about a, a movie that supposedly kills someone and they are making yeah. this, they're working for months and months and months on making this movie for Rachel. You kind of expect it to, the final movie to be something. And it, I don't know, it that was a little disappointing. I remember thinking, but I don't I think-, think that- but I don't think. Oh man, I could not disagree with you more about that. I think that is amazing, and she knows the love that it went into sure. making this thing. And I think, honestly, I watched that scene, and I know I, it's it to me, it's 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 like he doesn't realize he's made this beautiful thing, and she does, and is just kind of overwhelmed by it all. Does it actually what sends her into the coma? No, but yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's very much, do you know what it, and I'm sorry to bring it up again, but it reminds me of the scene in 2001 where, where, <laughs> and it did from the first time I watched that where Dave is in the pod and he's going through the Stargate and all this stuff is flashing mm. at him and stuff like that. Some of my favorite parts. And it's just showing her face. It shows his face in the in that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. And this that's what it's doing there is it's mostly showing her expression and the reflections yeah. of things on her face. And you know, you see that she's Olivia Cook plays it all so beautifully because she is so clearly overwhelmed by what she's seeing. And I think she's, it's something that can't be articulated, but it just makes her feel something deeply that art can speak in ways that nothing else can. That's true. I did. But we skipped way ahead. I know. know, um, Yeah. Okay. I saw it in a different way this time. There wasn't so much about what they make, but about the connection between the two of them. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And Greg is so focused on the craft and making it good that he can't see that any of that mm. where she sees only that. So that's true. I'm th- I'm thinking through my thought. I'm talking through my no, thoughts on this that's while good. we're talking. <laughs> right. No, I, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so we're Rachel makes him apply to college uh-huh. and he does his Herzog voice as he's typing out the essay. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I... I when they I, do, I like, the that. recreation of him doing that, that jungle thing, yeah. talking, and he gets the, like, putting his hand on his head just the right way, he's really good. Yeah. What? Because <laughs> I think it's supposed to be based on my, my best fiend, and he says, you know, um, my my best friend is a psychopath or something <laughs> 
<laughs> which I thought was pretty good because if you've seen any of the, my best fiend is a good example, but any of the Kinski Herzog collaborations and, and the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. He really was a psychopath, <laughs> but um, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Rachel really has Greg's number here. I think she's mm. like, I know you're going to deflect. I know you're going to do all this and that. And um, you know what? I'm not going to let you get away with it. And something about that, uh, that belief in him and knowing and not being putting up with his bullshit, I think is what convinces Greg to actually make the movie for her. Because it kind of yeah. seems like almost like right away, even though I don't know that she knows the extent that he's neglecting his his schoolwork, you know, while he's right. becoming friends with her at this point. I think she probably knows that being friends with her is causing him to question some things and maybe not take things as serious taking his own future maybe as seriously because of his proximity to death just in being friends right. with her you know right he's not mm-hmm. really thinking about things that he should be like because he doesn't have cancer <laughs> you know what i mean right like, he, he needs to he's be not he needs to be actually living. think yeah he needs to actually be thinking about his future because you know he has one <laughs> right the scene where they're looking for the fresh inspiration. What makes that scene so funny, I think, is Nick Offerman um, talking to the proprietor of the store. He's just going off about all these crazy things about living in the jungles and, and grow and you know the '60s and stuff like that. It's like, did you know you can smoke a hornet? That's it's just the line that he ends up with. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. When they start making the, f- the movie, okay, so they start with the interviews. They interview Denise, which is, of course, very um, interesting. Um, and <laughs> Poor Earl having the, to hold up that sheet. <laughs> Earl holding up the sheet is just like they couldn't come up with something. <laughs> you couldn't come up with anything else <laughs> for a background? I love that. I love that, though. Um, the one thing that comes up in the interview that's really important is we find out that she loved scissors she uh her favorite they asked what was her favorite toy or whatever is scissors she cut up all the pictures of her father and i was all for it um but that brings it back to the you know we see scissors on her wall in her room Mm -hmm. it's something that's not really drawn attention to we just they're they're just there Um, well and she also tells not to forget because it comes up later too she tells a story about and going for walks with her dad and counting squirrels yes very important yeah now there is some things about this that i think are really some of them are a little bit deeper cuts like the camera setup they come up with is uh based on errol morris's camera setup for uh his documentaries where the subject can look at the subject at the interviewer mm-hmm. and directly into the camera lens at the same time. So that that's the point of that, which I find just kind of funny. It's, it's like these obscure references. There are these big references. This movie loves movies. Yeah. Uh, the Ennio Morricone, the music from Vertigo, uh, all of these different moments in this is just that just sort of underline what's going on. There's a movie um, that they made a, from Vertigo, too, because I remember seeing the... The mm-hmm. cover, I forgot what it was called, though. <laughs> I forgot what that one was called. Um, but here's a, they also around here show uh, shots from 2.48 p.m. Cowboy. That's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. Um, so, and, and again, uh, it kind of 
she's getting sicker and sicker and sicker and says in, in, in a regular movie, this would, in a regular story, this would be where she has, you know, deep insights about life and, um, now that she's on the verge of death or whatever and says, but no, she just got quieter and unhappier. Oh, that montage of like all the times that he goes over to see her yeah. like it's like well sometimes she wanted to talk and sometimes she didn't and some you know sometimes she was happy and sometimes she was sad oh yeah a regretful polar bear don't make me laugh it hurts yeah you know um which is what their whole friendship was based on at the start was he made her laugh mm-hmm. and now he doesn't even have he can't even do that and that's sort of his defense mechanism Okay, one of the things I like about this and one of the things why it touches me is that I think it um, is very pure in its expressions about friendship. Okay, Sometimes they talk, sometimes they don't. They laugh or they don't. They watch movies or listen to music. They fight. And this is true of Earl. This is true of Rachel. This is true of, you know, really everyone that they encounter. I mean, there's not... It feels real in that sense. You know, it's not... I think the expressions of friendship I really like. I, I just the different ways that it deals with that, because I think uh, Greg is just trying to figure out what that even means. What is a what is a real friendship? I don't know if he's ever really had one before, or would be really willing to admit it. And so Earl thinks they do. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, Earl's right is the thing. Yeah. And here Greg has to deal with actually feeling intimacy towards someone and not knowing what to do about it which is okay that's kind of part of it you know yeah this next scene i think is probably i love the scene on the steps but this other scene where they fight is really powerful it's kind of anti-teen movie there's no she says she's not going to go to prom there's no she shows up at prom and oh, what a brave sure, girl she yeah. is! And everybody claps and goes, "Oh, how beautiful!" You totally none ex- of that. You totally expect that kind of scene, you know? Yeah, yeah. But this and is not like any other movie, like they say. Yeah, right. Instead, she says, "I'm going to stop treatment," and they have this fight. And the thing about that fight that I, um, I mean, she tries to make him laugh, and he's like, "Stop it!" He's like, "Don't." Try yeah. that, you know, because because he pulls out the pillow and says this, you should take this pillow. Yeah. And, and and he's like, stop it. He's mad that she would give up. She's mad that he won't let her. Yeah. Um, they're both kind of wrong. They're both kind of right. <laughs> you know, that's true. It, yeah. It's it's just like, you know, it's my life. If I want to die, let me die. I don't the treatment's not doing anything anyway. All it is is making me sicker and causing me more pain. Why? Would I go through more of this? Which isn't, you know, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. But at the same time, Greg, as her as her friend, is saying, you can't give up. What about the rest of us, you know? Yeah. Which I don't think that's entirely wrong either. I mean, it's, it sounds a little selfish, but like in the good way. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, we no, we want you to stay around yeah. because we love you and care about you so much it's not just because we mm-hmm. don't want you but but then you also don't want them to see them going through pain as she's saying that she's just not really feeling any better it's making her feel worse and you don't want that but you also want them to yeah stay around that's tough that yeah they are both right <laughs> yeah and then he goes to confront earl <laughs> 
I love this scene. Which is, is another that his great brother? scene. Is that Earl's yes. brother? Okay, I love Earl's brother. <laughs> He's so funny. The dog. Uh, it's yeah. He, it's great. It's great. Um, Derek, I think is is the brother's yeah. name. Yeah, uh, I love him. Um, but Earl, you know, is like he just confronts him and says. Um, you try to be friends with everybody, but nobody gives a shit about you. And now you're scared because she actually does. <gasps> Bingo. See? Bingo. Earl yeah. knows exactly what's up. He always does. He always does. Um, and so that's his one fight and he totally gets uh, his ass kicked. And Earl, you know, I'm mean, Earl's a tough kid too. And I think that's one of the things that... Um, it's clearer in the book, to be honest. Um, but you know, that they're some, from sort of different sides of the neighborhood and all that. Now there's this little scene of Mr. McCarthy talking about his dad that I also like. I mean, it's just like this just kind of shoots toward the ending at this point, but that uh, major theme of the movie is even after somebody dies, you keep learning about them. And you sort of, they always, they kind of continue to be part of you, even if they're gone. And I really like Earl's message to Rachel. He says, you know, we tried all these different things and none of them really worked. But so I'm just going to tell you directly because, I mean, that's Earl. I mean, he's going to tell her directly. I really like the, he's how so he ends sweet up. He's in that video. Yeah, uh. he really is. But I mean, just ending it with you make me feel blessed is just a, mm-hmm. yeah, so... I'm okay, sorry, my so we kind of my notes. My notes are my notes. My notes are kind of sparse, to yeah. be honest, from this point on. So I'm just kind of going from uh, onto the end here. But so again, Madison, she asks him to the prom, which is um, just it's like, why are you doing this? Just come with me. We'll have fun. You know, there's it's nothing. Still not really believing her. I don't, yeah. get, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> she's been so nice and so supportive. I, I love that scene when she's uh, she comes up to talk to them and she's like, oh, my God, am I on set? <laughs> she's like genuinely like into what they're doing. You know, <laughs> I like that. All. She's yeah, it's such great. a sweetheart. I wish. And, and he yeah. thinks still like um, when he yells at her, like yeah. he, he still ha- is feeling bad intentions from people that aren't there because it's mm-hmm. because of him. Because of how well, he feels about himself. I think maybe he believes, you know, the movie stereotypes too. Sure. He's yeah. seen so many movies. He's going to like, so Madison is the mean girl, right? Uh-huh. Well, no, the she's pretty not. popular girl. Yeah. That is one thing that I, I kind of wish, even though the ending is as good the way it is with him and Rachel, I, I do kind of wish there was more. I wish there was something with him and Madison because <laughs> I was like, oh, I really right. wanted to see them go to prom together and maybe start something. <laughs> sure. A, a looking to the beyond yeah. what happens here. Yeah. A possible, rela- an actual relationship for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still a prom element, but I mean, he, it, there are different, a few different things that happen here. Like you, we find out his application was rescinded by what Pittsburgh state. Mm-hmm. And then, um, he's, he's just, he says he does like no schoolwork. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells his mom, you know, just let me sit here and regret things. <laughs> so it's sort of the high school version of the regret Magnolia. speech from Magnolia. <laughs> uh, but it just keeps yeah. coming up. 
Imagine yeah, that. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. And then the fight with Ill Phil. It's like, I, I can't do this if you're going to rap the whole time. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> uh, then, of course, even before the big emotional climax, there's the scene <laughs> where he's in the he's in the limo. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> with the limo yeah, driver. <laughs> you, you, you're going to get some, right? It's like... Uh, so, I mean, you know, she's into it. Like, maybe, I don't, what? <laughs> like he has no idea what to say. <laughs> because as far as we know, he's going to pick up Madison. Madison, yeah. But he instead drives, gets dropped off at the hospital, which, you know, th- that's the one thing that feels maybe a little bit Hollywood about it all. But but it, it ends up being a really effective sequence, I think. Um, and we already kind of talked about this where he shows her the movie. I really do see that as the way we described, though, where he can't see beyond the work and she sees the connection. You know, she sees, you know, they tried all these different things. There's the the pillows and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cutouts. The imi- yeah, the imagery and the mm. what it how it pertains to their relationship is really great. But I don't know. <laughs> it just kind of feels like this movie is supposed to be like the culmination of something but then the the second time when i was watching this there's you actually don't see really that much of it no you don't a lot Mm -hmm. of the scene is just them sitting there watching it you know um and and, in her bed together so it is i i do i did see it this time as more about yeah Mm -hmm. the the connection the friendship that they had made and what it means to her you know especially now and his expression is essentially neutral. Uh, he just kind of is watching. And she is mostly, but there's a lot going on behind her eyes. There is a, a tear, um, but it's not like, oh my gosh, tear. It's almost not noticeable. It's just feels natural. But of course, you know, when the, you know, her heart stops or you know her machines start going off and she's they're sort of clearing the room so that they can see to her you know and we find out you know that's the last time you saw her she slips into a coma and she dies uh, later that night the funeral scene um there's a sort of a silent meeting between greg and earl there that it kind of looks like Things are going to be okay. He's Earl's on the outside. He's waiting outside, which I think is a really interesting thing. He's got his cigarette and he's, I don't know. I, I, something, and it's, there's no words that you can't, that you can hear at least because it's all shot silent. Um, but you get the sense that they're okay. And the scene in Rachel's room, this is the, you find out about people after they're gone Mm -hmm. scene. He opens up the, college admissions books and finds that uh, she has made kind of a cutout diorama in the book so of, cool. <laughs> of the three of the, yeah of the three of them sitting on the steps and he looks to the scissors on the wall and goes oh of course and you know he sees the squirrel wall on the wallpaper and because her wallpaper has like um, trees on it and so yeah. she's drawn um like just going around the room she's drawn this squirrel and yeah. different things it also just kind of that makes you think um, like seeing the what the work that she has created like and we've seen um the way that they always hang out in her room and whenever he comes over to see mm-hmm. her she's always in her room it's just kind of that that part made me think about 
all those hours that you know he wasn't around that she had to do something like that yeah and what she must have been thinking and, and feeling you know alone doing that oh that that yeah. part kind of got to me a little bit just that imagining her focusing on this this one little thing you know creating this thing to yeah. take her mind off of it probably too for a minute yeah, yeah. If you don't, I'd like to end this act, this part of the conversation with this is what Elric Kane wrote in his letterbox review about this movie. The context is his sister passed away, and he saw this shortly after that. Uh, so this is what he says: he gave it four and a half stars. Which, if you follow Elric Kane, he doesn't give anything four and a half <laughs> stars, especially on a first time watch. Okay. That's like the favorite, favorite, favorite movies get four and a half and five. And this is, I just think this kind of sums up how I feel about it too. So, which is why I want to share it. He says, sometimes the cinema universe chooses the perfect time for you to see a film. Mm -hmm. A popular film comes out and you miss it for some reason, only to push play years later for some other reason. The, uh, The cinema universe is mysterious like that but it has its plans for you. Today, this film both filled me with joy and pulverized me into primordial dust because it was the perfect moment to reveal itself to me, the moment I needed it most, a moment to remind me of a loss so deep I'll never be whole again, but that I'm lucky to get to keep going and discover more things that will make me feel and make me remember. And, you know, for, for me... This movie, I, I I probably honestly could have seen this a few years ago, and it still would have had the same kind of effect on me, because you know um, we talked in the Magnolia episode about my grandmother and my uncle both died of cancer. My grandmother specifically of leukemia, um, as Rachel does in the movie. Um, I have many friends going through a few friends, I should say, going through treatment for cancer right now Mm -hmm. um so i think uh, movies like this that are honest about that subject not overly sentimental or saccharine about it like this like magnolia uh, just affect me really personally and i gotta say if it doesn't (laughs) you're kind of lucky um (laughs) all right so and and but I like what he says in what Eric says about the cinema universe giving you a movie at the perfect time sometimes. And yeah, I, I, I really understand that. And so the movie doesn't change, but we all do. So sometimes we go back and see something and it'll just have a more profound effect at other times. Um, yeah, and I've definitely... That what he wrote, I could probably apply to a couple other movies too, because I've sure. definitely I've absolutely had that feeling with movies like, um, like Gerald's Game and Joe versus the Volcano, um, mm-hmm. movies that kind of felt like, oh, you're you're showing this. The, there's no reason why I uh, really picked this movie right now, but it was the absolute right time in my life for me to see it, kind of thing. Yeah, so I've definitely felt that, and the only reason I'm not as deeply as affected by this one as you know i um it's just because i don't have that kind of personal connection i've never you know been close to somebody who's gotten through cancer or anything like that so that's i i don't know what what that's like and i can't relate to it on that level 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that's okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you said you don't. It's not that you don't like them. No, it's, it's not, just that's that not it at all. It's just it just doesn't have that personal connection to you. There's something missing from yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, is y'all have heard me fine. on this show. Like that's that's all, like mm-hmm. all I talk about with movies is like my you know the personal connection and stuff is like it's just not there with this kind yeah. of story. Even though this is a great movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I I probably feel the same way about you know Easy A. To be honest with you, I like this movie a lot. I think it's a lot of fun, but you know, I can relate to it in almost no way whatsoever <laughs> but um, which i'm not is, so sure that which i is can okay. but yeah, i just I, yeah. I see a lot more in it this time that um i didn't see before that makes me like it even more so yeah. i'm excited to talk about this one all right and now we are switching gears to my movie now we're going to talk about easy a from 2010 probably like i said before my official favorite high school movie and the more i watch it the more i love it cool <laughs> you like it more than me but i do like it a lot what i do like it a lot you, you like it more than me though i'll i'll <laughs> my my criticisms are minor and i'll keep them mostly to myself okay, okay? <laughs> all right well, just one thing that I really liked about it rewatching at this time is that it's from 2010, but it's talking very much about things that are very prominent now that weren't as prominent back then. So yeah. it's kind of it's kind of prescient in, in that way. Yeah. Um, the whole like putting Facebook all of your thoughts thing. online and Facebook yeah. and, you know, the way she's, you know, broadcasting her whole story to the Internet. And she's like fully aware is like, yeah, what better way to tell my private story than by doing it on the Internet in front of everybody? You know, she <laughs> seems to be in movies that are rather prescient about the Internet because a previous film of hers, The Rocker, huh? essentially invents Zoom. Nice. <laughs> I still got to watch that one. Uh, you movie. say you I, love that movie. I I like it a lot. It is it's no school of rock, but I I think I just think the exuberance of Rain Wilson in that movie mm-hmm. goes a long way for me. I really like that movie. Um, one of the things I really like about this movie, right off the top, is uh, the opening credit design. Is they super are very cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, and I miss cool opening titles. You know. Mm. Now it's just kind of like, well, I mean, it, it usually is just, hey, you know, here's the names. But opening title sequences from old movies and stuff, those were the best. Yeah. So this is kind of harkens back to that in a way, I guess. I don't know. The while still is. while still getting you into the movie right off the top. And this one does that uh, too because she's throughout the opening titles while she's talking um, in the voiceover about how like Google Maps couldn't you know find me or whatever it, her name is actually like a 10 story building yeah her, her name is actually the last one that appears you know yeah at the the opening titles and which is she's unusual. Star of the film yeah. she's a star of the film but she's the last cast member credited and she, it comes out when she shows up yeah which is cool. yeah so. And they do that fake out of the girls like walking towards camera and yeah. you, you know now that uh, that's Emma Stone's voice and everything that that's obviously not her. And then, well, like, Emma Stone was <laughs> not yet Emma Stone she was when she there. made this, this one, movie. She's yeah, yeah. She helped her. Sure. And she's always been like one of my favorites. I, I've always really enjoyed her on screen. She has a really 
she's cute and she has yeah. a really fun sense of humor and she has she seems to be having fun with what she's doing and she's really talented so i've always enjoyed her and i, yeah. I love this movie with her um the way that she carries this movie uh she does it very well yeah and then just like right at the beginning um this movie is very aware of what it is and what it's doing i i like it's um it kind of sets up for itself that i mean it talks about the you know like high school cliches and stuff like right off the bat again and her like opening voiceover it's like the usually this isn't like your typical high school movie like what does it all mean blah 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 <laughs> and yeah. everything so it's 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 setting up that it is it, it's acknowledging like all the old cliches from high school movies and also kind of leaning into kind of the new millennium cliches of high school yeah. movies with like really smart quippy dialogue you know from sure. teenagers teenagers don't really talk this way kind of right thing. yeah there's also a sense that it is still kind of falling into the cliches but it knows Absolutely. that it's doing it yeah so the the various uh character cliches are still here i think they're just they just know that they're doing them. <laughs> uh, and so some of the situational ones as well. But then it does a little twist of the nose where, you know, we talked about, you know, me and Earl and Dying Girl. Uh, both of these movies sort of are anti-teen uh, teen comedies, I guess. And me and Earl like purposefully says, okay, here's the cliche and we're doing the opposite. Yeah. Whereas this one says, here's the cliche and we're going to heighten it and undercut it. So, I mean, it's sort of different approaches to the same sort of idea in a way, which makes these movies go to what to get uh, go together pretty well. Yeah. You know? So what do you think about um, Olive as a character, as the main character of our movie here? Well, I it helps when you're played by Emma Stone, first of all. Sure. You know, so I think that she's good. I, I, I like that, you know, she's a she's just witty and relatable but she's also very smart i i like um that the main character is sort of doesn't fall into okay because she's the pretty girl pretty she must be popular she's not that popular she's sort of mm -hmm. anonymous in the middle somewhere kind of like greg i guess you know yeah. from or you know any of the characters honestly in me and our own dying girl uh you see throughout the, the movie that she's kind of friends with everybody yeah she knows it, a lot of people different yeah people from different groups sure but she's also really good at what she does teachers like her she's not one who gets in trouble all the time she's different than a lot of i like her uh attitude about life and outlook her family background and stuff is all yeah, so fun to watch yeah she's definitely believable as this character even though it's it's Emma Stone and you know sure. she's really pretty and everything like but you still kind of believe that she's because she's kind of odd and quirky and everything that she's not one of the, the super popular ones like most honestly most people in high school especially if you went to a fairly large size school are just somewhere average. In the there you know they're like somewhere yeah. in the middle like no no one really at least I, my my class was like 500 people. Mm -hmm. There are people yeah, that I too. never even knew, you know. So um, oh, absolutely. Kind of mm -hmm. you just kind of had your little groups and you you stuck stuck with them. So um, very few people like really stood out. So I think most people in high school really are kind of like Olive, where they're they're just kind of there. And I like the whole conversation throughout 
this movie is um, kind of similar to what Greg, I am said Earl, <laughs> Greg talked about in um, Me and Earl and Dying Girl about just kind of being on low key good terms with everybody just yeah. to kind of get through high school. That's a big thing for um, a couple of the characters that we, we meet throughout this. So they definitely go together. The two movies definitely go together in that way. And yeah, another big thing that I absolutely love about this movie is her family and especially her parents. I think her parents are some of my favorite parents in like movie history. Um, yeah. Now what's funny is they kind of come across as permissive in this stage of the movie, but it's also, they have good kids, you know, they have mm -hmm. kids that they have clearly raised. Right. So I think there's a certain looseness that they've been able to achieve yes. with their kids. And that the more I experience that is actually really believable to me at first blush. It's kind of like, how could parents this permissive produce children that are, you know, not kind of troublemakers and, you know, right. that kind of feeling, but they've set the groundwork. And at this point they're able to joke around and mm -hmm. swear a little and be funny. <laughs> and that that's kind of the relationship I have with, my kids right now yeah uh so i i see this uh it's kind of fun yeah now, i totally believed it yeah. right off the bat because that's yeah. how my parents were with us i think we did they did this what you were just talking about they like kind of laid the groundwork to where there was um a lot of trust between all of us like they yeah. trusted us and we trusted them that we could always they were going to let us do what we want to do and like make our mistakes and that kind of thing. But we always knew that we could go to them with anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they have here. Like they're aware that something is going on, but they trust her enough and they know that they've raised her to be like a strong, independent girl that she can handle it up to a point, but she knows that she can go to them if it gets too out of control, you know, and then they'll, sure. they'll step in. Yeah. But right now yeah. they have the trust in her to let her know what's good for her. And they have fun. And yeah. I, I love I love it when you see families that like have fun with each other. I hate sometimes it's so annoying just seeing a, a scene in a movie of a family sitting down to like a stuffy, you know, dinner at the dinner sure. table. It's like who actually does that? <laughs> right anymore you're like we're, yeah. why are we not like joking around it's always like so quiet like my family was never like that and my family was always just kind of like this everything was just very loose and fun so it felt sure. this felt very be believable to me and i just realized on this this watch even though i've seen this movie several times that her parents names by the way played by uh stanley tucci and patricia clarkson they are so brilliant together they are freaking hilarious i love them um their names are rosemary and dill <laughs> petrocast <Yeah. laughs> and her name is olive and i didn't for some reason i never caught what their names were before and that just made me laugh <laughs> so much this time do we find out the name of the little brother i was just thinking that i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't think they ever say it yeah not that i recall either so anyway so just at the beginning of this you know setting up the idea of the internet and the way the i think it's it doesn't use the internet as the passing of the rumor but i think there's a underlying message that this 
is going to just make this kind of a situation so much worse. You know, I think there is, that is a thread that goes through the whole movie, but her line that says, you know, what better way to share my private thoughts and to broadcast them on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. that has only become more a thing, right? Obviously. Yeah. Now there's one thing she says that I'm uh, right at the beginning in this little monologue that I'm not sure I agree with. I think she's wrong. She says there are two sides to every story, and this is mine, the right one. Well, yeah. Okay, so she's telling the truth, you know, that she uh-huh. didn't do actually do any of these things. So that is true. However, I tend to subscribe to the idea that there are three sides to every story. There's my version, there's your version, and then there's the objective truth which we can never totally know. We can never know the objective truth because we're humans and we perceive things in different ways. You know, they do these kinds of things all the time, you know, in law school or wherever, where, you know, they'll, something will crash into a lecture and, you know, whatever happens will happen. And then they ask the students to write down what they saw. And there are, there's a different version from every single one of them. So that sort of declaration that my version is the right one well, made me look at it a little bit different. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm not saying she's wrong. But what I'm saying is that her, this is her perspective, and it's a lot of, more of the story than a lot of other people are getting. But at the same time, it made me watch the movie thinking maybe she's not entirely reliable as a narrator. She's telling the truth, at least as she perceives it. But, you know, the whole story is going to be something different as well. So that that's how I was watching it. I, I feel like in, with that, she's just talking about the the background that nobody else knows. Like oh, yeah. About how, how, like, the whole montage, like, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, like, how she really spent her weekend. Oh, know? I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she's talking about that kind of stuff and, and, and what her motivations were. Like, I think she knows that she made mistakes in, like, perpetuating things and everything. But um, it's just about, like, telling her reasons why and her, her thoughts. and so. But I get what you mean. But I think that's what yeah. it is. She's telling people the stuff that they don't know that they won't listen mm-hmm. about because they believe this other thing. Oh, right, right. And I... I... I get that, but I, yeah, it made me I just sort of watch it with a little bit, a little bit like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to not necessarily entirely because it's her, it's, this is a, her perspective movie, you know? So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out kind of thing. So anyway, now her friend Rhiannon. Yeah. So things get started <sighs> with this whole thing with Rhiannon and we both agree that Rhiannon kind of sucks. She's <laughs> a bad general. friend. She's a, terrible friend and also and, okay can i can i can throw this <laughs> in here how is rhiannon not one of the most popular kids in school i don't know <laughs> because in my school girl that looked like that would be very very popular just by virtue of the way she looks i'm sorry and the way and she has sort of that reputational attitude. thing going on that attitude going on whether she's deserving or not i can't say yeah Maybe it's like Greg. She has weird parents. <laughs> yeah, it could weird, be. Like, she does have like weird parents. Nu- weird hippie nudist parents. <laughs> That's a good point. So, 
I just don't get how they're friends. I mean, they must have been like childhood friends That's or whatever. That's all I just, can think of, too. They're like stuck to, to each other now. <laughs> kind of like Greg and Earl. They're co-workers. Yeah. Well, because she even says like, um, like right in that first uh, scene, because Olive was supposed to go spend the weekend with Rhiannon and she didn't really want to because her family is weird <laughs> and she didn't want to hang around them. And she spends the whole weekend in her room alone. Again, like I said. That's one of I got a fucking full of sunshine. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things is I was like, A, okay, that was me too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go out and do stuff sometimes. I just kind of like hung out in my room all weekend. And yeah. Um, oh, I hate I, that song. And then, yeah. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Well, part in the shower, she's like, ah. Yeah. And she like incorporates the lyrics of the songs into um, her, her, some of her lines later yeah, on. Yeah, I know. And it becomes her ringtone, which yeah. I thought was a fun little thing. Yeah. But she tells Ryan that she had a date and implies that she was with him like the whole weekend or something. So Rhiannon thinks that she had sex with him. And she even says like when they're um, Rhiannon like drags her into the bathroom and is like, you know, tell me everything, bitch or whatever. And she does the thing where she's like, hey, call me bitch a lot. And it's not really a term of endearment. Which right. I'm glad she said that because I kind of don't like that either. Oh, that kind of bothers me. That, I like, mean, maybe... I remember watching... Um, the Simple Life yeah. with Paris Hilton and uh, Richie. What's her? <laughs> I always Nicole. forget her. Nicole Richie. Nicole Thank Richie. You. <laughs> it's like, who is that person? Anyway. Um, and, and they would just call each other bitch all the time. And it just. Mm-hmm. And they do that on like the Bachelorette and st- or the Bachelor. Yeah. All the women in the house call each other bitch all the time. And I always thought this like, is it, this seems like it's sort of uh, undercutting the feminist movement <laughs> <laughs> or it's like trying to reclaim that oh, they, or, I, I, I hear that it, but it, uh, i i think it works for certain friends i've just never yeah. me and my friends have never really been like that so if it works for you whatever go with it i don't care but yeah. <laughs> she's kind of ex- expressing in this which olive is which I think is kind of part of why she keeps going with the rumor. And she says it a little bit in the voiceover is that she want because Rhiannon is the way she is and she's very outspoken and she's <laughs> known her, she's known as big tits around the right. school. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. She, she says Which that she, she takes as a compliment. Yeah. And she loves that stuff, but yeah. all of it is just kind of not like that. And, but because of this, Thing that she um she just kind of says okay fine we did that because she feels she says she feels superior to her for the right. first time ever and so you kind of see that she's i don't know she's like they're getting older it seems like she's like reevaluating things and you know maybe she's kind of sick of this friendship and she wants to right i don't know kind of you know, outgrown like, it in a way yeah you know, maybe. it's, it's Rhiannon is seems to be sort of in this stunted place where she just kind of buys into high school and Olive is just beyond that at this point. I don't know. But it it really bothered me that Rhiannon was just like waiting, wouldn't believe her until she heard what she wanted to hear. Yeah. She wanted to hear that Olive slept with a college guy, whether it was true or not. That was the only thing she was going to believe. And that sucks. That's bad. That's really yeah. terrible that, you know, this person who claims to be your best friend won't take your word for it unless it's what they want. I don't know. I thought that was pretty awful. Maybe she, 
I don't even know. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then she wanted all Rhiannon to... only gets worse as the movie goes on too. <laughs> maybe she wanted Olive to be, I don't know. Maybe she felt left out for whatever. I don't know. I'm not trying to slut shame anybody. I don't, no, I don't that's know. not, that's like, not what no. I'm saying either. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what her deal is. That's what I, that's what I figured out. I don't really know what Rhiannon's deal is. <laughs> that's all I've got. Honestly. I think I think there's a jealousy involved. At first, it's like a vicarious thing. Oh, I, she kind of wants to live Maybe. through it, and okay. then she becomes yeah. then she becomes jealous that Maybe Rhiannon she's is one of getting all, all that talk. attention. Yeah. yeah, maybe she's one she of the is all talk, talk people's. Well, I mean, you know, what to say? She she uh, got <laughs> she motorboated. Like motorboated. By, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Which. she thinks she wants Olive to be in the club with her, but when she it starts to getting known, you know, throughout school. Then she realizes that she's more popular than, than she yeah. is in yeah. not a good way, obviously, but I don't know. It gets very confusing. It's very much like just weird jealousy, high school drama stuff that yeah. uh, gets very, twi- that's the whole point of the movie. It just gets, it gets it, all it twisted does. up to yeah. where it doesn't even make any sense anymore to what anybody's motivations are, but you it- know? Honestly, it doesn't feel like they were really that good of friends to begin with. Now, you know, they're uh, starting to move away from each other. Elle yeah, definitely yeah. was not in in this for the long haul. I think. <laughs> well, and then we have Marianne Bryant who uh, overhears the rumor in the bathroom while she's in the stall, and technically, Olive started her own rumor. Mm-hmm. which I think is privately to her right, friend. Pri- privately to her friend, but still, but she built, you know, through lie upon lie there mm-hmm. and it felt making her feel superior. She says, yeah. which is an interesting way that this gets started. I, I, I think it's, I don't know. I find it kind of clever that it starts that way, that it's her own. She lies about herself. That's how the rumor yeah. starts. And I don't think that is necessarily, uncommon i think that can kind of thing probably happens and then just spins out of control yeah so do you want to say anything about marianne bryant (laughs) i hate her i hate marianne (laughs) bryant um but i know that's the point my problem is you know as a christian kid in high school my experience was not this at all not in the slightest so this is if anything, you know, I was kind of bullied for it. Honestly, I was kind of an outsider for it. So having their little weird cult that develops around her is just kind of strange <laughs> to me. I, it's a foreign concept to me. But hey, I understand as well that this is a the tone of this movie is heightened reality, right? So it's not necessarily fact. I'm sure that there are folks in the world who behave this way and that's a shame to me so anyway i'm gonna just roll with it <laughs> okay. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rant about it i know so but, <laughs> but I, I, under- I, my, I can i can i just can i just say one thing okay. i would love to see <laughs> a positive depiction of a christian in a movie it, it would be amazing it in a mainstream movie. I mean, I'm not talking about those awful faith movies, whatever that come out. I think those are so bad. I, I no, they kind of yeah. <laughs> they they offend me in their own way. Okay, <laughs> uh, but but I just kind of wish that. I mean, are 
it seems like the view of people of faith in movies, high school movies, I mean, you, you have saved and you have this and you have things like that. And it just these people that are endlessly judgmental and all they do are they're just awful, horrible and weirdly rich and popular, which was not my experience either. So anyway, that's that's all I got to say about that right now. OK, <laughs> so. I understand. That's OK. <laughs> Yeah. And I understand you've been watching a lot of things recently that depict Christians not in the best way. So No, and deservedly so. I mean, they, <laughs> like the, the Hillsong documentary was uh-huh. both of them. I mean, it's just like, oh, jeez. And I just um, finished Shiny yeah. Happy People yesterday, the, sure. the documentary. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I saw that well, one, too. Well, just from the other side, too. Yeah. It's very obvious that this, like you said, is heightened. It's very much exaggerated. To yeah. I think she's just kind of representative of of the other, the the person that's going to be judgmental in a way that's not sneaky, like like starting the rumor mill. You know, sure. It's going to be like to your face and to tell you this is what everybody is thinking about you. And they're not going to say it to your face, but this is right. the person that's going to do it. Yeah. But I mean, and her I, line where I, she talks about, I know Jesus tells us to love the <laughs> whores and the homosexuals, but it's so hard. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I. It's I, funny, I, I, though. That's the thing. I do find funny. it funny, but it's. But I'm like, oh, man. I Urgh. see that it's exaggerated. Yeah. I see that people aren't really like this. Um, and I can't help but just love the way that. But I'm Amanda sure that finds. there are people who are, though, too. Right. And I can't help but love the way that Amanda Bynes plays this. She's really like leaning into like all different sides of this character. I think she's having a lot of fun. She's another one of those actresses that we didn't really give a fair shake to in her time. So she does. Well, I mean, I think part of it comes from, you know, the Disney thing and, you know, Hannah Montana didn't, you know, and Miley Cyrus sort of had to shock the world in order to break out of that. And so. Um, and I don't think Amanda Bynes was so willing to do that, you know, so which is probably smart in its own way, too. But, you know, it's uh, so I understand that. But it's a shame. I, I, I get you because she's got great comedic timing. She's got she a does. good sense of of how to play these to do what she does. She's she was very good. Yeah. So the rumor has started and it's all over school now. And oh, another <laughs> funny part i think i might have put some of these out of order like some of my notes or whatever is when she uh it's when she gets in trouble with the principal <laughs> yeah oh i love that part <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts of the movie malcolm mcdowell as as the principal she gets uh, i wish she was to in him. more i know she gets sent to him for calling one of the other um marianne's like little yeah. lackeys uh <laughs> she calls her a twat in class An abominable twat <laughs> he has a great uh, yeah he i wish he was in it a little bit more but he's just another one of those like principles aren't really like this i don't think um but <laughs> he makes it fun depends on how jaded they are i think right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's pretty jaded you know i think so <laughs> yeah. this what's is his line a, here <laughs> this is public school if i can keep the girls off the pole and the boys off the pipe i get a bonus yeah that's <laughs> i love that part and, and 
it, even before that in class, of course, they introduce that they're reading the Scarlet Letter, which yep. we've talked about this, uh, about how whatever they're talking about in class underscores the themes of the movie you're watching. Right. Uh, and she says that right in the voiceover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, uh, you know, Halloween, they're talking about fate. Child's Play 2, they're reading Pinocchio. Uh, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, they're reading Hamlet and talking Hamlet. about the gravediggers scene, of course, after <laughs> after uh, Tina has died. So um, this is <laughs> yet another example of that uh, of that particular trope. And they pointed out, that's the thing that's kind of funny yeah. about it. Uh, and it does the little uh, breakdown of the of the scene. You know, if you're going yeah, to story. write a book report <laughs> yeah. on this, make sure to rent the original movie, not the one with Demi Moore, where with she, the she, bad breath. She talks in a weird, bad British Brit- accent. Takes a lot of baths. Takes a lot of baths. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good time to also talk about another important character. I like that there are so many important adult characters in this movie too, because yeah, it's not just a teen movie where it's all teens. Like the adults sure. have their own little like side stories that are just as important or they're they're a big part of the plot and um we're introduced to him like at the beginning of the movie when she says um that this teacher that they're doing the scarlet letter with is her favorite teacher mr griffith played by thomas Thomas hayden Hayden church who i love and which was in more stuff i know right yeah he's he's so funny and he does the the same like cliche thing again at the beginning too and he comes up to the girls and he's like oh you know all those cliches you know mess with the bull get the horns kind of thing you know he quotes breakfast club he's one of those i like his attitude in this movie (laughs) he's just like one of those like dry wit kind of people that that i love and yeah you can definitely see why he is olive's favorite teacher and probably why you know even though you're not really supposed to say it like she's probably his favorite student Right. It's, be, actually... it's because she's engaged and she's yes. smart and she yeah. uh, she stays out of trouble. You know, she's cool to other people for the most part. She's compassionate. Mm-hmm. He sees that in her, I think. That's one of the things I like about Olive. She is compassionate to everybody when she sees someone is in some sort of pain or whatever, like emotional distress. She tries to help. She tries to help. No matter who it is. And I uh, that's something I appreciate about that character. Yeah, a lot of what's perpetuating the bad stories about her is because she's trying to help other people. Yeah. she will. She's willing to bring herself down to help lift somebody else up. Yeah, w- with Evan and then with, well, Brandon, of Brandon. course, that, that at the start. And that, But it even started earlier than that with Todd. With their seven minutes in heaven when they were in sure, what that's right. eighth eighth yep. grade or whatever like that, and he was too afraid, and she was like, "Okay, we can just say that we kissed anyway." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Todd is my favorite character in this movie, by the way. I, he I is great. Think, is not... I think as just as a human being, I mean, mm-hmm. I I love Griffith because I mean, part of I, the reason I love Mister Griffith is because Thomas Hayden Church is one of my favorite sort of underrated actors. I think. Uh, I think he's remarkably funny, you know, like Sideways. I love him in Sideways. And I still can see that. Yeah. yeah and uh, he, I, he's kind of a jerk in Sideways, but he's so good at playing it. It's right. just kind of funny, and you for, you forgive it a certain amount, just like, you know, the character's friends do. But anyway. He's, he's the only one, too, who is on her side the whole time. The whole time. Throughout this movie. Well, her and Todd, I think. But. 
he's the only one that's like openly on her side and trying to convince other people is like it, it's all lies you know people that will immediately like hear the rumor and just believe it yeah he's like no i actually know her that's not true well in in her defense mrs griffith doesn't believe the rumors either yeah she does mrs. no griffith? she she I, she mrs griffith as i recall says that she knows that she's not but then i guess she does hand her a handful of condoms and yeah, well, she doesn't really you know. listen to her that time. Yeah, yeah I know, but it, I don't know that she really believes it, but then she uses it to her advantage. But we'll get mm-hmm. to Mrs. Griffith later. Another character I kind of hate. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> um, Again, going back home to her parents, though, like when they have the whole conversation about her getting in trouble and, you know, being Spell it out with your principal. P's. <laughs> what did you call it? started with a T. <laughs> Think British slang. Tallywhacker. Is that what I got? Okay. It's one of those things where it's like I think I said this the last time when, like, you kind of get the person you you get Olive when you meet her parents. Like, okay, it's pretty obvious that this girl came from these people. You know, like I had a friend like that where it's like, oh. You can you can definitely tell that they're the same person. <laughs> yeah, they kind of had that same kind of uh, sense of humor. Um, I, I love the part with uh, the adopted brother, though. It still kind of makes me laugh when he. Who told you? <laughs> he says something. It's like it. It doesn't matter. Like I'm adopted, and like, the kid is black, and yeah. so Stanley Tucci is like, "What? Who told you, you guys?" We said we were going to do this at the right time. <laughs> yeah. So. They're just a really fun, yeah. open, loving family. And even if they, um, they, they again, they kind of get that something is going on with her because she, she does tell them what's going on in her life. Like that, you know, she got sent to the principal's office. If you hear a rumor about me, it's not true. And so they don't want to get too involved but they have these little moments um i like when dill kind of pulls her aside and says like i bet that girl was acting like exactly what you called her like like i believe you and i'm proud of you for standing up for yourself kind of thing so they have they have nice parental moments like that even though they're not but there's also a sense of but try not to get yourself into the principal's (laughs) office again you know there's that element going on too and now re talks about at this point how she likes the new badass olive who has gotten been sent to the principal's office and gotten detention, etc. But yeah, it's like you know, I it's was like it's like about that, just right? just enough of that sort of flirting with danger thing that she's that she's kind of into it at this yeah. point, I guess. Well, and this is um, goes into like another one of my favorite parts is like the talk that um, she and Brandon have while they're in detention. Yeah. So, because she calls the girl a twat, she gets <laughs> detention, and Brandon was in detention too. Later, just cleaning stuff. Yeah, yeah for in a fight with someone, even though it seemed like he was the one getting bullied. Yeah, but whatever. Uh, that happens yeah, they have to... all the time, though. Where both kids get in trouble it happens all the time. Yeah, they're just like um, they have a little montage of them. They have to clean like the bathrooms and like mop the floors or whatever. But I really like the the talk that they have. They're talking about a lot of important things that kids are, are dealing with through high school that are very serious that um I don't know. It's like I like the way that this movie portrays it. Um because he tells her that 
you're perpetuating this rumor, which is just as bad and pathetic. But she's like, you think I like being known as, as a slut or whatever? And he says, well, at least at least you're being thought of the thing. So it's like that right. weird kind yeah. of mm-hmm. um, thing where it's like you don't want to be invisible in high school. Right. And you want to be noticed, but you want to be noticed for like the right things. Like you don't want to be noticed for anything bad that's going to get you bullied or ostracized or anything like that but Mm -hmm. so uh, it's like what do you do right yeah and And she tells him okay the rumors aren't true Mm -hmm. uh but he tells her that the rumors about him actually are you know that he is gay and that she she knows it she already (laughs) knows it yeah i mean there's there's that sense of you know just get through high school then you can be whatever you want to be uh which is (laughs) I That's think things, are, things have started to change on that front now, but um, at that time, for sure, and before, it was, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it still, depending even... on where you're at, I mean, it's right. it's, it's going to be uh, This doesn't even seem road. like that yeah. long ago for no. mm-hmm. this to have still been an issue, which just is, that's, that sucks. <laughs> well, you know, I, I still get, uh, my kids still tell me about, regular uses of the F slur and things like that in their schools. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, we live in a world of political divide. And so parents will either, I don't know, clarify or poison their children's minds, uh, frankly. (laughs) And that stuff ends up in their, in their lives at school too. So, um, so he has a really tough choice. And she, I think she kind of gives him sort of good advice. I I don't know. That's, that's hard. She, she kind of tells him like to at least, as I say, he says later on, like act straight until, you know, I get out of high school and I can go off and be who I want to be. La, 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 la. And mm-hmm. he, I think he, he kind of says like in the, um, when he asks her to um, lie about the two of them having sex like in the next uh, big scene with the two of them i think she's kind of that's kind of wrong advice especially for his situation just because like i get the overall point of yeah just kind of get through high school these people don't really matter their opinion of you doesn't really matter high school is such a small part of your life like in the long run like once you're out of there you can be who you want to be but it can be pretty dangerous for a kid going you know through something like he is and you know he's mm-hmm. he talks about that and about how he feels like he's suffocating and he's like i i know that it's just high school and it's going to be over but it's right now and it sucks and he says i think he says some things where it's like i i, I don't i'm a, i don't know what i'm gonna do right like like he might hurt himself or something right. like mm-hmm. uh, from like the bullying that he's facing and the fact that he can't really be himself so this movie deals with some like it's so funny and the the comedic element is is so much a part of it but it deals with some really serious issues in a really good way yeah a lot of it's in the subtext of it Mm -hmm. as well um one of the things there in the next scene here whether where she and olive and rhiannon are sitting on the front of the car overlooking the Mm -hmm. town which comes back at the end with her mom Mm-hmm. You know, that lookout spot is just sort of like this observing what's going on below is an interesting setting for these discussions, I think, because they're talking about the variations on the rumors uh, oh, yeah. that are spreading about Olive, you know, saying, 
all these crazy things that she supposedly did. Um, But of course, none of them are true at all. But during that, Brandon calls and they meet the next day to come up with a plan for (laughs) Brandon to have a rumor started that they had sex. So it's it's a well, he comes out over and asks her out on a date. He says, you want to be my girlfriend, essentially, for the rest of the year. It's like, well, no, (laughs) not you're not really my type. And he says, well, you're not mine either. Um, This is just is sort of like the I guess the marriage of convenience that would happen (laughs) in the 50s or whatever to sort of. You know, like Charles Lawton and Elsa Lanchester, that kind of situation, or um, Lawrence Olivier and uh, Vivian Lee. That it, it was that kind of setup, I guess, is what they're trying to do. <laughs> she says she doesn't do anything half-assed. It's going to be in a public place, and we're going right. to make it known. <laughs> so <laughs> they're going to do this at Melody Bustick's party. Yeah, they're both like not party people <laughs> at all right, but um right. this is this, another this is a really like, interesting scene that that i mean mm-hmm. it's sort of subtle in how it deals with this because you know they make all the yep. crazy sex sounds in the room it's really <laughs> funny he walks out the door and is like immediately congratulated by all the bros you know oh yeah well, what does she then, say go forth my son you're a yeah. man now and then then she walks out and just kind of get the guys kind of look at her like huh and the girls are just like shunning her immediately. Mm-hmm. There's just um, that, you know, There's no fanfare the sexual for her politics. When, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she walks out of the room, the guys are making fun of her. The girls are it's like really subtle. There's a couple of girls in the hallway that are just kind of like looking down their noses at her. And uh-huh. it's that that double standard there that I still don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't know. How that's still a it's, thing, how people yeah. still think that, and it won't die so. for some fucking reason, and it needs to. <laughs> I could go on and on about that. Yeah, a big part of this movie is is the whole, like, double standard thing, um, and how the guys are using it to make themselves look yep. cooler, and she's basically doing the same thing, and she's the slut for it. <laughs> right, right. You know, and then it's it sort of starts, you know, Brandon's like, okay, here's a gift card, and you know, a vibrator, um, <laughs> which is, it's, they never it's show meant, it. <laughs> no, it's meant in supposed to be, I think in good fun from, sure. him. you know, it's just sure. not like, you know, paying her for that. It's just like, Hey, just a, f- a friend doing something. They wasn't yeah. asked for or anything like that. Um, they, but then, they seem like the kind of friends, like, like we said, like she kind of seems to at least know who a lot of people are throughout yeah. school because you, you kind of get that this is one of those schools like people have kind of grown up with each other sure. like, through school so she's probably known brendan and, yeah, that... for a while yeah oh, that was, yeah that is kind of funny it's like it's wrapped up and then she puts it back in the box and it does kind of vibrate a little bit well the, <laughs> the, she, the dog <laughs> the dog touches it or something yeah well, and she but, gets like call from yeah, but when she gets Rhiannon, the call from Rhiannon is when things kind of like, just change. because you lost your virginity doesn't mean that you can throw your go you know, throwing your cat around at everyone, <laughs> which is I think it's so funny. Um, and she doesn't. This is where she really turns because she uh-huh. does not get the support from Rhiannon that she should. You know, technically being like her best friend, yeah, she's believing everything, even though like she heard firsthand from Olive supposedly she thinks like what happened she's still believing all these weird rumors and 
about like all the different things that she does like no you heard from her that supposedly it was just this one guy or whatever and so i don't know like we said i don't really know what rian and steel is i think it is a lot of jealousy i think so and she says that um everyone thinks that she's a dirty skank and all of asks her if she believes that too and she says yes which is when olive decides okay fine if people think this about me i'm just gonna dive headfirst into it and she um starts making the clothes you know she shows up to school in that (laughs) bustier with the uh scarlet letter a on Uh, it well there's another moment with um her dad here that i like too and she's doing this whole like the sewing montage of her sewing oh that's right yeah sewing the a's Uh onto she buys a bunch of lingerie and stuff and he comes in and is like uh hey are you okay and she gives the whole yeah thing so again he sees that she's not okay and but that she's doing something about it and no, i kind of like the subtle encouragement that he gives her here when he says give him hell sure yeah maybe i mean yeah i don't know how i would approach this as a parent i would probably say okay (laughs) is this really a good idea i get i get (laughs) it like maybe this is getting to a point uh, where it's this is getting a little serious now sure yeah but yeah yeah. I mean, this is her story. This is not know, reality. Know, this yeah. is, her, but I know it's just that kind of, um, like I said, it just kind of reminded me of the way that my parents raised me to be like pretty independent and. The, and it's funny because the so. parents sort of, the adults sort of confront her up to a point and then just kind of let her go because mm-hmm. like uh the montage where she's at the school that first day, and then Mr. Griffith comes up to her and says, "What are you doing?" Uh-huh, yeah, and she's just. Nothing. Kind of flummoxed. And he says, well, tomorrow is Earth Day. <laughs> yeah. And, and that and that's kind of it. Because uh-huh. he's trying to confront her, but he does and, and just say, you know, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Yeah. But then he just kind of lets her figure that out for herself, which, you know, they're, they're sort of, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I would be... One who would say, okay, we need we need to talk about this because just so you know, I believe this is going to blow up in your face and you should probably think about this a little harder before sure. you continue, but, and then leave it to them. But, you know. But I mean, that's the whole so. point of this movie is that something, something small could blow up into something so sure. big so quickly based on yeah. lies and preconceived yeah, notions yeah. and everything. So. Sure. But like as adults again now as an adult like I really want to like protect <laughs> Yeah, exactly. her watching this, yeah. So. Yeah, well I'm and then Marianne has her little meeting and it's like we need to pray for her but we also have to get her out of here. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> anyway, yikes. Um but then the pool, when she's at the pool and Evan. This is when things kind of get a little bit dark yeah. too. They do get dark because he asks if she could do the same thing for him. Um, and then that line where he says, I don't need your permission, you know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's that's rough. And the thing is, I, I don't know that he would actually do it without her permission. He Because I, I think he just kind of says that as a blurt. But I He's don't know that he would actually sure. follow through. But that's um, horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but then bringing up, I'll give you a hundred bucks, which really pisses <laughs> her off. And rightly so. Sure. And then she, she does. He just kind of has that moment where he sits and he pulls out the candy bar, which like, you know, I, yeah, I figured cliche it fat anyway. kid eating, eating a candy a bar. Yeah. 
I didn't think yeah. it would work anyway. I'm just a fat piece of shit. And then, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Showing him eating a candy bar, like, in his, from his swimming trunks at the pool, like, you really didn't need to do that. <laughs> that was, right, right, that was, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I, I, uh, that kind of, that kind of made me yeah. mad too. I was like, you didn't need yeah. to do that. Come on. Really didn't need to do that. They could have just said him say the line. Sure. He didn't have to actually, yeah. And again, yeah, it's that thing where he's, kind of being horrible to her like you understand his frustration and stuff but that's a really oh he's absolutely being horrible to her yeah but that's that's getting down a really really dangerous road with this kind of rumor and the kind of double standard that everybody knows exists Mm -hmm. and just labeling somebody as something that they're not right yeah like he knows exactly what he's doing i think when he when he says that i mean because he's trying to get I mean, he's trying to get what he wants, but but you d- yeah, you do understand um, what his uh, what he's going through, and she sees it again. Like we said, like she he, she wants to help. She's people extraordinarily that, empathetic. Yeah, yeah, she's she has empathy for him to the point where. Okay, so I read an interesting book, and it has this title that is an attention grabbing title called against empathy okay (laughs) okay and 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 it's called and it's called the case for reasoned compassion because it's saying our definition of empathy is really the definition of sympathy okay so different yeah yeah they and and so we have equated sympathy with empathy we've changed the definition the problem is you can't if you have sympathy for everybody you will destroy yourself. You will not be able to help everybody. There is no way. And you will be overwhelmed by the whole thing. So reason compassion is to say, okay, I can help this person or I can help that person or I can help in this way or that. But, and some, and then to some extent having to say, there are some things I can't do. And so I, I think she's falling into that to the point where she's hurting herself. Absolutely. Here, you know, and sometimes you just got to let someone go through it and come out on the other side. You know, the whole tough love idea, I guess, if you want to put it that way. So I don't know. That's, that's, I guess that, that was a really interesting book. I don't know that I bought into everything in it, but it was, it was fascinating to hear that art, the arguments in it. Well, cause that's exactly what she's doing in this exactly. movie. Exactly. She's fallen into that thing where she says something earlier in the voiceover. It's like, I don't know what people are so... When she starts, like, you know, dressing more provocatively with the A and everything, she says something. It's yeah. like, I don't know what people are so upset about. I put an A on my chest like they told me to. I, 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 I was acting, like, exactly like they thought I was. What are you so yep. upset about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And she definitely well, puts Evan in his place, though, which I love at the end. I, I like that. Of mm-hmm. this scene. And I believe her, too, when she says that, you know, if he had been a gentleman and actually asked her out on a date, because like when he first approaches her, she mean, she talks, she knows what people think about her and everything. And yet when people still approach her, she's still nice. She's not like immediately defensive or on the, you know, she doesn't think that everybody is really like out to get her. She's still like her nice self to everybody. Right. And she's the same way with Evan. Um so when she says that, you know, if if he had actually asked her on a date, she might have said yes, and he gets all then like, he tries to ask "Really? Her out. Do you want to go on a date?" It's with like, me? well, no, well, not now, <laughs> not now, shit, yeah. Dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. And then, of course, this new rumor spreads faster than the first one did. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think now um, with Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, etc., added on to the whole Facebook thing, mm-hmm. uh, it would be even worse. Sure. So the cyberbullying element would have been a bigger part of this, I think, if the movie had been made just a couple years later, even. It would have been so much worse for her, yeah, if this was all oh, yeah. like online yeah. and everything. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, even yeah. imagine. Yeah, and... Um, and I think that's uh, sort of like an, a theme underneath it all, mm-hmm. you know, that this would be much worse in a social media environment. And I think that is sort of warning. <laughs> There's a sort of warning that this is only going to get worse yeah. going on with this. Um, then she's talking about how I want my life to be like an 80s movie. I want, Yeah, There's all the um, like actual clips. The little clips. From- Say know. anything and what is it? Can't buy me love. Can't buy me love. Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Love. Sixteen Candles. Mm-hmm. I think. I still haven't seen Can't uh, Buy Me Love. I said, yeah. I, so like the lawnmower thing, I, I've never gotten. <laughs> I was like, what? What is that? I've never seen that. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to catch yeah. up with that one. Yeah. Then you know, preferably with a <laughs> with a musical number. Uh, so the Ferris Bueller. Sure. Ferris Bueller there. Um, for no apparent reason. <laughs> Got to have. For musical. no apparent reason. Got to have yeah. a musical number. Yeah. A little meeting with uh, Mr. Griffith. Another you one know, of my favorite uh, scenes. Yeah, this whole movie like, is like uh, my favorite scene, but <laughs> this is a really poignant one too. I like this one a lot. I And again, this is why I wish there was more of Thomas Hayden Church in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's the voice of reason here. Yeah. Uh, maybe even more than the parents. He actually confronts her about it. And like, he confronts her about it. What are you doing? It. Yeah. All right, posting your every thought. No, because he's like, because on... okay. she's wondering like how he actually heard about like the rumors. Like, when were teachers privy to like adolescent you know gossip or whatever? And then he says like the best line. <laughs> yeah, that would be when everyone is putting everything up on Facebook. <laughs> posting your <clears throat> every thought. <laughs> Uh, let I don't, me assure I don't you, know. it is not no. all diamonds. Yeah. I, I, I don't have the line exactly. I don't know right what now, your so. generation's fascination is with documenting your every thought, but I can assure you they're not all diamonds. <laughs> right. Roman is having an okay day and bought a Coke Zero. <laughs> he bought a Coke Zero again? <laughs> that Roman. Uh, but yeah, that's only gotten so much worse. Right. I I. I <laughs> I look on Twitter and I just see some people. It's like, wow, you really spend a lot of time here. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't post that much. Yeah. And I don't know why I even scroll even anymore. Sometimes it's just out of boredom, um, which. The doom scrolling. It's bizarre. Yeah. And so. Um, I know we talk about anyway. it a lot, just like criticizing social media and everything and i know that there's a lot of benefits for it for some people but i think we've both just yeah. found that we're doing a lot better without it yeah. which is kind of where we are right now <laughs> so i don't ever mean to like insult anybody uh, by no. by criticizing any of that because I, I definitely used it i i needed it for like friends and communication and staying involved or like feeling like i was important and <laughs> some some way but i don't know i feel like i'm doing better without it now so that's just kind of where i'm at so whenever like this kind of stuff comes up yeah i definitely relate to it a lot more now and this was about facebook like twitter was it's still like i think still pretty new when this came out so it's just gotten even worse with that yeah um, i also like what he says (laughs) in this um 
because it was in his class that she got in trouble with um for calling the other girl nina uh, a twat <laughs> i don't know yeah. i just kind of like the uh teachers being like really honest <laughs> thing when like, when he's like say it as i deny it yeah. <laughs> i don't know what is about nina I hate her. <laughs> I, I just, hate her. I, lo- I love the, the line delivery of that. Yeah. <laughs> I know teachers probably aren't supposed to say that kind of stuff, but it's, no. it's just funny to actually hear it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, should I just say no comment? No comment. Um, yeah, just leave it at no, that. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> and then his uh, wife comes in, Lisa Kudrow, who's the guidance counselor. Who, who I feel... I, I don't know if she quite is right for this role. I, I like Lisa Kudrow, but I don't know. There's a certain amount of gravity that I think this part is missing because she's playing it. There's elements of it where she's playing it perfectly. She's right on pitch with it. But the, there's others where she's turning into Phoebe and she's turning into yeah. Michelle. And it's just like... I just don't see not me it. from Romeo and Michelle. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Romeo and Michelle. But it's just uh she, oh, I know. Uh, it's so like she I, I struggle I struggle with her in this movie. I really do. And I, I and I just don't think she's quite right somehow. And uh, it doesn't take me out of it so much. Um but maybe it works because she sort of disarms you at first. And then when she turns out to be such a horrible, horrible person, yeah. it's kind of a blindside mm-hmm. a little bit. So there is that. Um, I think there are times that. when she's really good at it. It's just those parts where she does, yeah, kind of slip back into the Phoebe thing. Like, who's going to believe you? Who's going to believe you? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's when it it feels off. It's like, well, if you hadn't done that, like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I kind of, I kind of feel yeah. the same way. Like, there, I think the part where she kind of has her like whole confession thing is when she does. She's really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you, but yeah. But when so. she slips, just those little moments when she slips into Phoebe is when it's like, don't do that. Be your own, be your own person. <laughs> don't be Phoebe anymore. <laughs> what I kind of wonder is, is Lisa Kudrow just kind of that? You know, is is she kind of like, is that just her instinct? Is that just who she kind of is in <laughs> in her daily life? I have no idea. I, I, I don't have any clue, but it is the kind of, you know, persona that she tends to play. And when Olive has her own, like, kind of one-on-one meeting with her, she expresses that she does want to, like, she realizes, Olive does, that she's starting to get in a little over her head here and she wants uh-huh. to talk to her but mrs griffith just won't listen to her pretty much says, just blows her off yeah says she's there to listen to her like hey i'm the guy i'm the guidance counselor that's what i'm here to do but then it's just kind of like oh whatever here's some condoms go off and, and be safe and like let your fr- i like i like what she kind of says to her let your freak flag like- fly but uh <laughs> have you an know. exit strategy uh, yeah have yeah. an exit strategy yeah that's I just don't advice, want to but... see, you know, the one mistake define you forever, mm-hmm. you know, which I get <laughs> exactly, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And I see that kind of mentality is been in that age for time immemorial, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's part of growing up is screwing up. Yeah. Then she has her, and then we see Marianne out 
side. Oh, right. With her, <laughs> I got a little lost with, there. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> with Micah. And this is the weird brief friendship with Marianne because, <laughs> again, she's compassionate mm-hmm. to the – sees that she's distressed. You know, sometimes our boyfriend's parents get divorced. Yeah, Micah's parents are yeah. getting divorced and he's upset about it. So she's upset about it. And so – all of, like, yeah, is, like, very compassionate and is actually, like, tries to give her some kind of comforting words and they suddenly become friends for, like, a day. Yeah, until <laughs> <laughs> until uh, Marianne finds out that Micah has chlamydia and blames it on Olive. Because so. it's that dangerous road that was started, mm. you know, with all this, this rumor stuff like that. Hey, I could say this about you and people would believe it. It's yeah. not her fault at all, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but that's just... Well, it's a little her fault because she did, you know, sort of set up this whole lie that she did it. She didn't stick to her guns and say, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I did not. But people Rhiannon, could still say Rhiannon, that about her anyway. listen to me. Listen to me, Rhiannon. I did not have sex with anybody. I am still a virgin and... You know, not that it's any of your business <laughs> if I did or not, but you know, but she didn't do that. But she, I think the- she she gave in and told Rhiannon what she wanted to hear to get her off her back, essentially. Yeah, but I think the it's point- not her fault, but she did start her own rumor. But I think the point is that it doesn't matter what the truth is. As long as people are saying enough, people are saying it, and enough people yeah. spread that oh yeah that's, that's what happened that's that's the point <laughs> <laughs> that it didn't it wouldn't have mattered she what did she say to Rian and like when she first asked her it's like did you did you have sex with him and she goes no she, i mean she says yeah. it right at the beginning but you know i know but Rhiannon just refuses to believe that i think yeah people believe it because marion does hear her say it you know to Rian and sure. um but i think the point is is that it it really doesn't matter either Either way, it's just like if enough people say it and believe it, then then it's true, whether it's true or not. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and we find out that it was not Olive, <laughs> but it was, in fact, Mrs. Mrs. Griffith, Griffith what? <laughs> that gave him chlamydia. And she admits that to Olive that she did. Another and- <laughs> Olive keeps getting herself in more and more trouble because of her compassion. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I don't want to break up your marriage, so mm-hmm. I'll say I did it. Sure, I could have chlamydia. Everyone will think it's everyone thinks it's me anyway. Yeah. So what's the harm? Well, there's a lot of harm, a lot you know, to yourself. Yeah, and frankly, Mrs. Griffith should be fired. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. And the thing is, it doesn't matter. I, I, I suppose maybe it's not technically illegal, but she would definitely get fired. So, oh, yeah. but I mean, if, if it's a student, it doesn't matter. He's like 20. It, it doesn't matter it, what age he is. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It's a, no, <laughs> uh-uh. it is in my yeah. state. It's actually illegal. No matter I mean, it's the a power, no matter what the, yeah. the age is, there's still a power dynamic that's being broken. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And her saying like, I don't want to, I didn't want to break up my favorite teacher's marriage. Like, well, over something like this, maybe it should be broken up. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's not. Yeah. 
but it's not her role to. I know, but she wouldn't be able to stop that anyway. I mean, it's not. But she she's feels trying like she to stop help. that from happening, and she's not the one who's breaking up the marriage. It's Mrs. Yeah. Griffith is do who is. Well, and she she blames herself too. Yeah, she calls um in okay like in, during her little webcast thing that she has going on. She has these like titles, you know, that she brings up for different parts of the of the story, and she calls herself. A homewrecker. A homewrecker. She's not it's the like, homewrecker. That's not your fault at all. You didn't do anything. No. Yeah. Ugh. Well, and the fact that uh, Mrs. Griffith just says, okay, I'll let you do this. It's just like, excuse me. Wow. Yeah. She's just like, okay. Do you feel that like is... the whole like confession? Because she's, I don't know. She seems like genuinely like, I'm sorry that everybody... That he said that, you know, that that it was you or whatever, because it was me. It's like, and she, do you think that she's being genuine and all that? That she's like, no, I'm going to, I'm uh, going to do this and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this right. I think right. she's scared. Yeah. I think she's scared is what she is. And so she's, I don't know. She's, uh. I think she also knows all of, through the rumors at least, because she didn't really know her before this, the, the compassion that she has and yeah. is probably consciously or unconsciously playing on that so either way she's she's just a bad person anyway anyway, for for, yeah for letting her do it and then you know todd you know she's okay when olive leaves that meeting there's a big protest against her going on and you know the quiznos guy (laughs) i love the quiznos guy i know anyway um (laughs) and uh and todd says to her screw all these people olive you know, you and he means, hasn't you heard? I already, I already have. have. Yeah. That's obviously not what Todd meant. Yeah. Um, well, before but, she would say that kind of thing, she'd be like, don't, haven't you heard the rumors? I'm the new school slut. Like she was just kind of like play into it. Like this was ridiculous. But now she, now she's feeling the hurt that she's caused herself by, you know, yeah. by having this compassion for these other people and trying to help her help them which at the same time is bringing her further down and she's starting to feel it mm-hmm. finally. Yeah. But I love, yeah, I love Todd in this. I love that the way that, yeah, there's the whole thing from when they were kids and you, you get that they liked each other then, but I like how they set him up as the romantic interest really subtly. Like they just yes. kind of run into each other at random points you know, throughout the movie and have like really quick back and forth conversation, which is always like him being very supportive and nice to her when everybody else is not being that way. He's always just like, uh, you know, stay excellent. He like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he like all of his is mature beyond his years, yeah. too. Not in an unbelievable way. I, I think that he just has a good head on his shoulders and mm. she does when she's not caught up in the situation she's caught up in. Um, so then, you know, the, she tries to read the Bible, but it's like 600 pages, single space. It's more than that. Um, it's over in the bestsellers then, next to twilight. So next to twilight. <laughs> um, but when she goes to confession and there's no one on the other side, there's yeah. sort of a, something deep going on there. Subtextually, yeah. you know, well, um, and textually, she says that she hates herself now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, yeah, People now she's finally starting to realize that what people really they really think that she's a horrible person that they they actually hate her and that you know I'm starting to yeah. hate me too. Yeah, and then that there's no one listening. Is there's just, no one there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, he goes to talk to a pastor. Marion's who, dad. Fred, Fred Armisen. Um, <laughs> He's so funny. Again, he, I, yeah. Another just bad depiction that you didn't Another like. just bad okay. depiction. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like... Yeah, there's a hell. Oh, there's a hell. We're gonna we're gonna lean into this idea that there's a hell, and we're not going to to minister to someone. We're just going to condemn them before we even hear what they have to say. That's that's real cool. And then there's another <laughs> little thing where he shows up at the end of the movie too. That's another not good depiction. <laughs> oh, I, I can't remember what that was. He's watching her guest. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Where she okay, let everybody believe that she was gonna be doing right. sexual things, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So um, I get it, but it's just like a funny little thing that kind of showing that I know how I, know. I how isolated she is, and and there's no doubt. I mean, there's plenty of hypocrisy of all sorts. I like what she says here too, and she's again showing how isolated she is becoming even more than she even though she wasn't like super popular before this she seemed to have her own like little happy place in the middle in high school now she really is all alone you know and she's mm-hmm. sitting at the lunch table and yeah. she kind of has a good point where she's like people were lining up to say that they had slept with me but no one was actually trying to sleep with me like no one was trying to get to know me or like be my friend or like wanting to go on a date with me even though todd's right there but you just can't see it <laughs> and they're too right. afraid yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he doesn't want to he's not really ready to approach her yet or anything but um but then anson the guy that sometimes i mistake for todd because they look the same yeah they look really <laughs> similar yeah he comes up and asks her out that, on uh, the first he's time being, i watched this yeah. last time was was i was confused i was like wait now what oh yeah yeah he's okay. actually being really nice and asked her out on a date and so they go to the lobster shack together Though I got to say, there's another nice little scene with the family. Oh. Uh, R.I.P. DVD Netflix. It's like, but it says. Next month so is the you, last you, month. You, no. You, you, you're dressing the whole thing. You're dressing like a stripper. This is like a high end stripper for governors or athletes, but a stripper nonetheless. So at least they kind of, they kind of call her out a little bit uh-huh. you know and say hey you know we're a little worried <laughs> they were a little concerned about what's going on do you have this under control yeah uh, and i just love the interactions of the family anyway it's like the bucket well, list this fam- is the best decision fa- fa- ever <laughs> family member of the week always gets to choose but dad is always <laughs> the family member of the week because you get to choose it's like are you accusing me of nepotism um <laughs> It's like, all right, let's bucket list this bitch. Um, that's remember to cross watch the bucket, bucket list awesome. off our, our bucket. Our bu- yeah. Um, See, okay. they're the, the best. The, yeah, they're great. They're the then the um, also the, uh, God, I have to point out those when she says no judging, but you look like a stripper. Right. That is judging. <laughs> it and is. That is adding to the whole problem of this movie with slut shaming and the double standard thank you they're also pointing out their concern i think I know. Though, too so <laughs> so okay lobster shack she believes she's that uh he is a real gentleman but then he gives her 200 dollars to the home Depot. well but again she also kind of shows her compassion for other people in another way for again Rhiannon, when she yeah. sees Rhiannon mm-hmm. there and she immediately feels bad for being there with Anson because Rhiannon has had a crush on Anson for a long time. Right. 
So she's like, yeah. well, shit, now I'm fucking up. Even though Rhiannon has clearly proved that she's not a friend to her right at this point she was part of the protest that we saw earlier you know she still cares about her feelings in this moment and she also sees todd you know with his lobster hat singing happy birthday and woodchuck todd is now lobster todd lobster todd yeah (laughs) yeah and this this is again where the movie gets pretty dark dark. yeah when he offers her 200 dollars for the home depot to say whatever 200 dollars will get her to say that they did together and then he actually tries to like assault her basically in the parking lot by trying to kiss her and she keeps Mm -hmm. pushing him away so yeah that just shows the danger of of all of this so like what evan said earlier this is what could happen like i wouldn't need your permission because no one would believe you and if this was a different kind of movie this could get really serious you know it could yeah but uh she just throws it back in his face and uh he drives off and todd is coming out on a break or something like that or at the end of his shift and offers to drive her home which she accepts and he says i know what people are saying but it doesn't mean i believe it and it's because he remembers Mm -hmm. the, (laughs) the kindness that she showed toward him all those years before and his kind of confesses that he likes her you know and says i I like to keep my business to myself yes (laughs) which is is sort of like the if only that choice had been made it would have avoided you know then you don't have a movie uh right (laughs) so um honestly i think making the mistake is more common than not (laughs) <laughs> so that's that I, if there's a certain amount of realism in the fact that she just kind of gives gives into the rumors a bit, you know, yeah. and just says, OK, you know, I think that is probably more common. He's just, and I like this I, part. It's like it, yeah, if I promise really nice. not to tell anyone, could I kiss you right now? And she says no, but explains why and says mm-hmm. it's not because I don't want to. It's because I have been thinking about kissing you for a long time and I want it to be special and I don't want it to be, um, I don't want to be like when I fake lost my virginity. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I thought it would be more special. Um, I, I like that part. And, and he's, and he's okay with that. He's like, uh, he understands that. And I think, I think he's happy just with the admission that, yeah, she likes him. They, yeah. They, they finally have, have admitted to each other that they yeah. like each other. Yeah. And he actually knows things about her and remembers like things about her. So he cares and he thinks, tells her that she's cool and pretty and smart. And uh, yeah, he's being, he's very sweet and he offers to help. Offers yeah. to be there to, to help her because to, she says that her life's a mess and she's got to fix all of this. And mm-hmm. he says he'll he'll be there for her if she she needs him to help. Yeah. And so this is what convinces her that she's going to get, just clear it all up and get it nobody, all But nobody out. will go back on the, the lies that they. Yeah. Told. Well, one of the problems is that um, Brandon would have i think brandon I would have so. helped her but he uh, left town <laughs> with a big hulking black guy apologies to mark twain right that's a call back to a line earlier yeah. it's like except for huckleberry finn nobody ever 
leaves town with a big hulking black guy. Um, so, That's so weird. Um, I don't know how I feel about yeah, that. I don't know. But. It, it, it's, it's, it's the joke. It maybe hasn't aged I don't, super yeah. well, but it's... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but um, Evan Evan won't um, say that it was a lie because um, right. the lie that ruined her reputation is making him him seem cool now. Double standard. Yeah. Oh, there's a little continuity. There's a little continuity error here. She picks up the cones and crushes them. In the next shot, the cones are all I sitting there. Yeah, the whole Evan thing is like he's he's taking advantage of of it all uh mrs griffith you know the who would you believe who would you believe <laughs> the first first delivery was enough yes. there uh lisa um and she blurts uh, it out to mr griffith and her thing mr yeah. griffith yeah which i i don't know i think he probably already knew somewhere in his heart of hearts that up. something was going on yeah because she was spending evenings all the time away. He was having dinner alone all the time. That is set up earlier. He's uncomfortable so, with like anyway. physical touch between the two of them, you know, so. Yeah. Now, I really like the scene with her, her mom. mom. Yeah. She admits that she uh, also had an issue like this but you know it was more or less true that she did yeah. <laughs> she did uh she did sleep with a lot of people uh, yeah and but you know and how did you handle this, this is just like you will with humor An incontrovertible and, uh, sense of that. humor <laughs> yeah which is a great line and says but she says you're also much smarter than me so i'm sure you'll come out much better than i did um I think and she does she came out fine yeah and i think she does but yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I think so too, and and I think Rosemary also came out fine too. I mean, look at she has a great family. She has a great family. She seems genuinely happy uh, in life, and so and then, I don't know how many class reunions she goes to, but who cares? I mean, <laughs> as we will discuss in our next episode, oh, class reunions <laughs> are not all they're cracked up to be. <laughs> Uh, look at you go with the teasing yeah, i like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> well then we have a random musical number for no apparent reason random musical number for no apparent reason and i wonder announcing this is, the is this her actually singing i wonder i well she really sang in know. la la land right did she i, I think so I i'm pretty sure that they did their own it kind of sounds singing. like her yeah. that would be her mm-hmm. singing voice mm-hmm. Malcolm McDowell shows up briefly. Yes, <laughs> we get to Sam very like, briefly. You might want to talk to Mrs. Griffith before you kick me out, but she might because t- she might talk <laughs> you into letting me stay. Um, ah. Now, there's a line here in the webcast at the end that depends on the movies. She says, "Movies don't tell you how shitty it is to be an outcast," and I wrote down, "They don't." Well, <laughs> it's like they don't. I, I thought that was kind of like the point of a lot of. <laughs> A lot of movies was they tell you how shitty it is to be an outcast, including yeah. some of those 80s movies she's talking about. Right. You know? <laughs> so I, I thought that was a weird line. It just doesn't. It's a 16 candles. It doesn't ring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't really ring and true Club, to me. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, that, 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 that was, but, you know, like I said, a little bit unreliable as a narrator, I think, but I think that's also the point. I think that's also the point because I think, um, if you, as I have dug into this movie, this is my what, third time seeing it now. Cause okay. Little inside <laughs> baseball. Um, this is our second attempt at recording 
about Easy A because the first time I wore out after talking about me and Earl and the Dying Girl and I just didn't say anything for like half of that yeah. recording and what I <laughs> did have to say became very repetitive and combative for some reason. So anyway, we are doing again. I hope this has turned out better. It feels like it has. I um, think it has. Yeah. yeah so if we sound a little bit different than the yeah. first part of the episode, that's because we're recording this part like a month later. Yeah. <laughs> But this is maybe that's good because yeah, you've had more time to watch it. Yeah, and think about yeah, I was movie, able to take so. in another another chit. But I do think that there is, and I think it's intentional though. I think that the idea of perspectives and a little being a little bit of having a slightly unreliable narrator, we only hear her story. We we don't hear anyone else's i mean the things that are because you may even makes you wonder how true the sequences are where she's not in them you know like the little prayer meeting with marianne mm-hmm. bryant how accurate is that's that her, or that's her or is her exaggeration of them yeah yeah and, and that's maybe. something that just came to my mind just now so i don't know that's true maybe too. maybe not um, because the whole movie is supposedly from her perspective telling the story but she's not in those. She's not privy to those things. Yeah. So I don't know. Some food for thought, maybe. That's a good. That's actually a good way of looking at it. Like, so. but there, there is a line in this last part of her. I like how they call it. So it's a webcast. I guess it would be like streaming, live streaming now. Yeah. But I, I hadn't really thought of this before. But it's really kind of like the the part of the whole point of the movie is when. What she finally says is when Todd comes to see her, it's the end of her webcast. She's told the whole story or whatever. And Todd comes over um, because he's been listening and wants Mm -hmm. to make her life like an 80s movie and shows up on the lawnmower blasting the song from Say Anything or whatever. And she tells him. No, it's not. It's it's from The Breakfast Club. It's Don't You Forget About Me is the song. Well, well, he's doing the thing. But he's doing the thing from Say Anything, but he's playing this. But the song is from The Breakfast Club. So it's like mixing all three of them. Yeah, it's all of them together. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which I love that. I love that, actually. But when she's ending Her line there is terrific. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, that's Todd, and like we're going to go out on a date or whatever, and maybe I'll end up losing my virginity to him. Like Maybe it'll be tonight or in a month or on our wedding night, but- the great thing about it is that it is nobody's goddamn business, which yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. I hadn't really like caught on to that before. I was like, that's that's what the the whole movie is. That's what it's all about. All about yeah. is that mm-hmm. it's, none mm-hmm. of this was anybody's goddamn business to begin with, you know? Exactly. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah, but and, that's pretty and, much it. Like that's that's the whole movie. Like your personal yeah. life, your your privacy is obviously your privacy and it's not anybody else's business and people should not make it their business either exactly yeah and and it's um it's a great ending they just drive off on the lawnmower (laughs) and the the, they have sort of a redo of the credits now one of the things that i did notice too you know obviously mr griffith is watching the webcast as well Mm -hmm. now he knows that it's not going to be what people think it is yeah (laughs) You know, yeah, so that's why people so, believe. So his his reason for watching it is not like the <laughs> pastors, not like Marianne's dad or or Evan or any of those other people. Yeah. But then, obviously, Mrs. Griffith comes by and tries to get his attention, and he just ignores her. That's really that's pretty 
sad in its yeah. own way too. You know, that's one of the things I, I just, I wish there was more of them. I, I, I want to know more <laughs> about them, you know, but obviously you can't, it's not their story. So, yeah. so I understand why they're not, but it's, it, it is a touch of dark uh, in that ending that I think is kind of sprinkled throughout the movie. Like we've mentioned, there are these yeah. little touches of dark added to make it, you know, to elevate it. It elevates the material. Yeah. It reveals the truth behind like this whole situation. I mean, mostly mm-hmm. using the, the comedy element to tell the story, but it doesn't ignore the darkness underneath. Yeah. Like how it could be, something totally different if it was a different kind of movie Mm -hmm. it could be really serious and really dark and that is kind of a sad little thing i mean it's it's, i guess it's kind of good because he knows the truth now and yeah maybe he'll be happier without somebody who doesn't actually care about him but i mean he's obviously sad so yeah that is kind of a sad ending why'd you bring that up think about that that's kind of that's a sad ending for him It is, but <laughs> when we liked also so perhaps yeah. because he's a he's a good person, like genuinely good person. Mm-hmm. I think he will land on his feet. We hope he'll be um, good. We can all hope so. <laughs> all right. So how do we do that time? Is that better? <laughs> I was a lot better. I thought. Yay! <laughs> uh, I feel a lot better. I feel more energetic and everything. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to tease our next episode here. Uh, we spent our time in high school today. So the next time we're going to go a little bit into the future and talk about some reunions of yep. the high school variety. So what are you starting with? Well, we're starting with the probably the one everybody thinks of when they think of a movie about high school reunions. And what could that possibly be? Because, I mean, it's literally in the title. Uh, we are going to be, actually, we've already talked about it because we've already recorded the episode. But we're talking about Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion from 1997. Again, yeah. but yeah, yeah, in her best but- role. In her, in, yeah, she, this is she's perfectly cast in Romeo yes. and Michelle's high school reunion. There's no question <laughs> about it. And then we're following that up with a different kind. This is a non-traditional high school reunion. A group of buddies coming together again after many years, seeing if they can complete the golden mile <laughs> all the way to the world's end. Uh, Edgar Wright's 2013. Should I call it a masterpiece? Maybe. Oh, I you love you this movie. You don't like using that word as much. Th- I don't. You know, I <laughs> this I think this is this is probably my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Uh, which is hard. hard the last to night say. In Soho? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I definitely um, liked it a lot more after talking about it. Like we said, it's yeah. hard to pick a favorite just from the Cornetto Even trilogy. Even from the Cornetto trilogy, yeah. Yeah. Because I watched the other two afterwards as yeah. well, and I love them all. They're all great, but th- I think this is my this favorite. One, yeah, this it, is, it definitely yeah. moved up for me a little bit. Yeah. Part of it is just what Simon Pegg is doing is, I think he's just on another level Yeah, he's as far as his performance in this movie. So um, anyway, uh, that is next time. And like we said, we have already recorded that episode it is in in the bank and we're excited to 
share all of these things with you. Um, And uh, okay. So if you want to find us on social media, you can find me on the various platforms at Brian waves 42. I'm at Michelle Agan on Instagram. I'm just on Instagram pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then on uh, movie life pod on Twitter and Instagram, feel free to find us there. And yeah, we, and admittedly our interaction there. On social media, is yeah. <laughs> Since we're not on minor. social media, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you really want to help the show, um, what would really help us is a rate and review or a subscribe on on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that Keep really goes a long episodes. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we love I mean, you all for it. And we, we definitely notice everybody yeah, that listens. Absolutely, and, yeah, we and love shares you so much. and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay, so thank you again for listening and. What are we going to do, Michelle? We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Let's bucket list this bitch.